Hi everyone, welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kazen. This is it. Game's over. We finished the game. This is a long game. <laughs> this is a very long game. I don't think we should do another um, podcast series that goes quite this I think by the end of this, this it'll long. be five months. It'll be right at 20. I think this is episode 20, so Oof. five months. Five months of episodes. We're going to have one more it's after a bunch. this. It's a bunch. Um, yeah, we're going to we do one more sort of like... Um, Answering questions. Recap, interacting yeah. with audience questions, having guests Patreon on. questions. Yes. And Subscribestar, specifically. <laughs> yeah, so we already put those out yeah. um, a few weeks back, because this is... We're a few weeks ahead. But... And in then, any case, um, oh, and then it, the perfect works, right? Perfect works. Yes. Yeah. So that's the homework for next time is to read perfect works. Do your homework. So read perfect works because we're going to kind of go through that. We're going to be pissed if you don't do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to um, fill in any of the gaps, uh, answer questions that people are still confused about with the story. Yeah. Like, what about this? This doesn't make sense. Why this? Why that? Those those types of things. That'll be the last episode next week, and then. Um, and then uh, we will also announce... On to the next game. Yeah, we'll announce next time what yeah. the next game will be, and that will continue the week after that. But the polls are open now. Polls are open on now. On Patreon and Subscribestar. People are voting as we speak. Yeah. Okay, so uh, with that out of the way, um, there was one thing that we... Because we kind of really skipped quickly through... The that last stuff, part, right? well, mostly the part where they were attacking the Merkaba, oh, okay. or the Merkava, and um, like their whole plan yeah. and everything like that. Yes, we did. It's not so much that part that I want to talk about. I think that the the pertinent thing to talk about here is that Deus, like what I, I guess, like at the core of what I'm trying to point out with this, is that Deus' plan seems to be changing somewhat. Okay. Like, um, if you remember, I think I brought it up last time that Ellie, when she fuses back with Miang again, she turns mm. back into the purple-haired woman. Yeah. Um, she mentions how they have to destroy the remnants of humanity that did not transform into wells or seraph angels, right? Mm. Um, and they ask why. Like, why do you have to do that? And, oh, and she's and like, Yang's I don't like, really know. I don't know. It's just part of the program, yeah. right? I'm just, I just know I have to do that. Um, there, there's some evidence here that Crowlian not only like made up for some of the deficiencies that that Dave's failed in, in terms of like we talked about how they they transformed into wells, but like they were yeah. supposed to be seraph angels. It wasn't until Crowlian like bypassed. Yes. And yeah. like used his um, nano machines to like actually fulfill the resurrection of God that it could actually be done, right? right? Yeah. There is some evidence too here towards the end of the game that as Krellian begins to learn more about the nature of God and everything, mm -hmm. that like he's part of kind of like changing the the plan of what's going on. He's he's sort of shifting what he what he's doing too. Right. Um, and and Deus is kind of doing the same thing. So. Uh, let me see here. So, Saiten, in that conversation where they're talking about their plans on attacking, attacking Merkava, um, they're sort of contemplating plating the, the behavior of Deus. And um, Saiten makes another reference to what uh, Krellian had talked about with like the true Miang, right? 
the great mm. mother, and um, notes that uh, the non-mutated people, the people who did not transform, um, and how they were meant to be destroyed are now being taken in as well. Like, it, they, it's not being destroyed like they had originally talked about. Mm. They're trying to take everybody in now. Okay. Um, which was apparently a contradiction, right, to what had right. been said before. So there's some interesting stuff there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be putting this on screen so you guys see what yeah, Sighton's yeah. saying. But the, the important thing to point out about this, that the reason I don't want to just like skip, skip as quickly as we did through that conversation, because that is an important detail to take away. Hmm. Dave's behavior is not um, consistent with what it had said before or what Ellie had said before that it wanted or that it was doing. And we're going to find out that Crowleyan is the one who's kind of like adjusting things right? Um, as we're getting towards the end of the game here. So that's one important detail to take away from that scene, and I didn't want to just rush through that into the next part. Okay, now that that's been said, we left off basically right where disc two turns around and starts playing more like disc one again. You can go back to the yes. world map. And you can actually fly around and go You can fly around and explore. Yes. You can do side quests. Um, there's, there's quite a few things to do. Like, basically where we left off, all there is left to do in the story is go do the final dungeon. Yeah. But there are a couple of little things to do that I think are worth pointing out. And there's a lot of good dialogue in what's now called Snowfield Hideout. But it's yeah. basically Shavat having crashed into, like, the southern pole, basically. Right. So there's, it's like a snow-capped... It's Hoth. <laughs> a snow-capped... Looks pretty Hoth. ...little, like, continent. Oh, but the whole world... The whole world map has changed quite a bit. Like, there's new continents, and continents have been broken apart, yeah, lots yeah. of islands. And I would assume that's because Merkava is going around on this rampage, destroying scorched Earth, ever, <laughs> right? And yeah, so, yeah. like, the whole planet's like structure yeah. has been changed, basically. Changing, yeah. um, but, anyways, uh, that th this is something I don't even remember if it was really like said in any of their little narrations while they're sitting in chairs. <laughs> like, it's never really talked about that Shavat was shot out of the sky. Yeah, yeah, that, that was so, yeah, that was so strange. But you, it is. You get it, and especially as you're going around through the tunnels, like, things are broken, and things, there's pieces of stuff just kind of lying all around. And, yeah. Yeah. But, um, there's a lot of kind of little secret places yeah. to go within Shavat if you mm -hmm. can go behind like some of the stores and stuff and yeah. it looks really cool you'd think you're going somewhere important and then it's like there's a little item and you come <laughs> yeah, back and but it's it's almost as if they designed this whole thing but they couldn't really use it but they wanted to use it for something but they couldn't put it yeah. into you know the full game and so they're like okay you just can go out here and then get an item and come back yeah yeah it's fun there's a lot of good dialogue here before leaving this place though um and one thing that I took a note of that I thought was really, really impressive, despite mm. the extremely rushed nature of all of the exposition and the story on disc two and mm. the lack of gameplay in it, oh, and yeah. just how it's kind of just like breezing through stuff, yeah. they still manage, in my opinion, to wrap up every single subplot in a satisfying way. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I was unsatisfied with basically any portion of the whole It's game. like almost any subplot I can think of, whether it's like Ramses uh, bent, bent mm. on revenge against Faye, or Dan's revenge plot against yeah. Faye, or like... Well, Rico, though. Rico, I guess, is the one... Rico would be the major one. one. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I love, I love uh, Margie and Bart 
Yeah. <laughs> and Margie's like, so, oh gosh, I can even remember what she says, but it. some some little here. innuendo type thing about their sure. So she says, uh, young master, you better not die, promise me. And he says, of course I'm not gonna die. Quit saying such weird stuff. <laughs> and she says, sorry, yeah, you're right. You'll make it back. When you come back, I'm gonna, well, I just thought maybe we could be closer, you know? <laughs> and he's like, hey, whoa, quit it. <laughs> Do you know what you're saying? She's like, hey, just kidding, young yeah, master. she's you, like, just kidding. You're, you're all panicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Even with just little things like that, they're yeah, kind yeah. of wrapping it all up. And I think they do a really good job with that with several of these stories. I think they do. For an unfinished game to wrap things up like this is yeah. um, it's impressive. Yeah. So I, I particularly liked, like I, we talked about it a little bit last time with Dan, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I really hated Dan at the beginning of the game. Anytime he came around, I didn't. Right. It's like I felt like he was ruining the story. <laughs> but then every time he's come around in this portion of mm. the story, it's actually been really good. Yeah, the last probably three interactions that yeah. we've had have been more positive. He's sort of coming to grips. So he things. realized seeing yeah. Faye frozen in carbonate. First of all, this is not okay. Like right. I don't care how what he did. This is not right justified, which is something I think is fitting for a kid to have a turn right, as of heart adult. as opposed to an adult. Yeah. So we talked about that last time. But also he realized that it wasn't Faye's fault. Even though Faye takes right. responsibility, we had that whole which discussion Which is good, last which is time, important. Right? But, it, yes. but it's still not technically but his Dan fault. Dan realizes yeah. there was a monster inside of Faye and he's conflicted now about, yeah. do I forgive and forget? Like, I don't know what to do with this. Right. And I love the, the conversation we have here. Uh, Dan says, in the prison, when I saw you change into a monster, I understood everything. Living inside of you, Faye, there is a monster that's not you. He's the bad one, he's to blame. So to forgive you or not to forgive you, well, that's not the problem. It's not like it's going to turn things back the way they were, but uh, it's just, I don't know how to say it properly, but I'm sorry. I, or I, and he's really struggling. Mm -hmm. But he apologizes. Yeah, yeah. To Faye, right? And then Faye says, it's all right, Dan. Enough already. I understand. It's my fault. I'm sorry I caused, such, uh, caused you such pain. And then Dan doesn't have a response to that. And Faye says, I'm just glad that I could finally make peace with you. Take care, kiddo. And and that it kind of ends on that note. Mm. So Dan can't bring himself to like fully forgive, but he does apologize to Faye for not being more understanding. And Faye continues to take responsibility, which I think is really important. Very important. Um, but it's just a really nice sort of like resolution, tying the bow yeah. on that little story. And, and I, I think it's well done. No, me too. Um, also, just the general theme there of inside of you is a monster, but you still, he still takes responsibility for the monster, but inside of him is a monster. There's some truth to that with everybody, with yep. all of people, just in general. Yep. And uh, there is, you know, everyone's got the shadow, right? Yep. And I think that's what makes characters, well done characters seem more well done, I guess. Like the, <laughs> the most well done type of writing that you can do character wise is to have a character that's really dynamic, but in, in both positive and negative ways. And if you look at like Harry Potter, he's got like part of Voldemort is like inside of him, right? He, yeah. The shadow of Harry is Voldemort. Right. The, um, the shadow of Luke Skywalker was Darth Vader. And that's why he saw himself when in the, in the episode five, when he's in the dark cave in Dagobah and also with Frodo, right? Frodo, by the end of the journey, <laughs> 
Frodo can't do it. He yeah. can't do it because there's this thing in him that's he 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 will literally become a monster if it wasn't for Gollum and Sam, right? Yeah. Uh, because he not only had he been stabbed at Weathertop, which is going to plague him forever, but the ring had just corrupted him, and it just resembled this part of him that was him that was being brought out in this negative, negative way. Um, and those are like some really good characters, I think, some good character moments. Yeah. And and this game has that specifically with Faye in, in, in large measure, possibly more than any other game. He's got like a crazy monster that he's trying to keep down, uh, but that makes you respect him even more. So I think it's really good character writing, um, just thematically, yeah. to have that a part of the story. I, I, I loved it. Yeah. And Midori is in there as well. Oh, yeah. You can talk there. to her a little bit. and. If you she's, she up, starts talking now. So yeah, she's, she's she's talking normally. Yeah. So there's a couple things I wanted to talk about with this. Uh, first of all, if you picked up her ring from way back in the beginning of the game in Lahan, it was hidden. It's a hidden item what? out in like the bushes outside of the little oh, house. Oh, okay. I don't think it did. if if you had picked that up, you can give it to her, and she'll give you a Hercules ring uh, oh, back cool. as a oh, nice. as a gift or whatever. There are other ways to get Hercules rings. I, I think what Hercules rings do is they increase. The amount of experience you get in battle. Mm. And that's only really important for Faye because Faye has to get to level 80 to get his last death blow. Oh, yeah. And yeah. at this point, even with like a fair amount of grinding for death blows and things that I had done and for money and things like that I had done in the game, um, I still was only like level 75 by the time I got to the final boss. Okay. Yeah. So you'd have to do a lot of grinding, I feel. Because I did all the yeah. side quests, there was nothing else left to do in the game. Mm. And I was level 75. So if you want to get to level just 80 and see Faye's last just, death blow, you just got to go fight a bunch go grind of for a few enemies. hours. And those Hercules rings can help with that. But nice. the other thing that I wanted to talk about was some of this stuff we've been uh, kind of pointing out along the way about Primera, uh, Jesse's daughter, and mm -hmm. Midori, yeah. who to me both seem to have some kind of telepathic or empathic abilities, right. some sort of extrasensory ability to know what people are thinking and feeling, and that they would both spent significant amounts of time just being very quiet and not talking. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the whole motif of the game, which is about these overseers or managers mm. trying to bring humanity to a point where they would be ready to join with God again. And the parallels here to the novel Childhood's End, mm. which if you've read it, you'll see those right away. Yeah. Um, so again, I think everyone should read that novel after having played Xenogears just because just to understand like the inspiration for the game if you really like it. Mm. But one of the things that one of the reasons I was pointing that out along the way is because there is a similarity between these girls, this like latest generation of these overseen or managed generations of humans getting to the right point where they can join with God again, right? Yes. With them having yes. these kinds of extrasensories abilities and not speaking. There's mm. a direct parallel there, I feel, with Childhood's End. Okay. So read Childhood's End. Let that be a hook <laughs> for you to go check it out because it's a really good book. I like it a lot. Um, and also, like we said, Krellian, who sh whose name should be Karelin, was a character directly lifted, or the name at least, directly mm. lifted from Childhood's End. Okay, um, there's also a really great um, scene that you get with Queen Zephyr. Did you find her? Yes, I did. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of go outside and up like a little tower in the yes, snow. Yes, that was pretty cool. She's standing up there, and they, that, I don't think I saw that on my first playthrough oh, really? of the game. I don't think I went and talked to her. 
Because I remember feeling like what happened with Ramses. It just kind of like he just last time we saw him, he killed Miang, and then I never heard from him again. And I was yeah. like, what happened with that? Right. It's optional. You got to go talk to Zephyr to, to see it. But there's a great scene there where she kind of brings up, well, how's um, how's that man doing that you brought back from uh, from Deus or whatever, or the Makava, and. Um, you have a scene with Saiten, like talking some sense into Ramses. He's he's yeah. he's feeling down on himself. Yeah, I'm I think worthless. is Sigurd there too, right? Yeah, Sigurd's also there. Oh, and so are the four. Yeah, I really um, like that reveal. The girls. Yeah, yeah. So the there's curtain. like they have a camera angle, kind of in the yes. In They've the corner, done a reveal down. with those curtains at the beds yeah. several times in this game, <laughs> but it's surprising every time. It's, it's true. Yeah. Uh, so the camera's kind of in a corner, and you just see Sigurd and Saiten and Ramses, and there's kind of a curtain blocking where yeah. they're standing. But Saiten, like, strikes him, to, like, to the ground. Yes. Like, yeah. stop feeling mm -hmm. sorry for yourself. Right. You are not trash, nobody thinks that. Especially not them. And then yes. the camera pans over and, and shows that the they're girls. there. Do you see how loyal they are to you? It has nothing to do right. with your competency or your merit. It has everything to do with who you are in your heart, the kindness that you showed them. That's what they cared about. That's why mm -hmm. they like you. <laughs> that's that's why they want to help you. That's why yeah. we want to help you. Like, enough with this, like, garbage and trash and stuff. Like, <laughs> stop, right? <laughs> he he kind of, like, is giving us some tough love there. Yeah. And, but Ramses does come He comes around. around. And I think uh, Satan says something along the lines of, oh, can we count on him to help us in the final battle. Yeah. And Satan was like, well, I don't know what he's going to do there, but at the very least, he's not against us anymore. Yes. So it's like, okay, fair enough. And I actually don't remember if Ramses shows up. I don't think so. Okay. But it's like the possibility that he would show up and fight on our side was, was something they were discussing. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I really liked that. Yeah, I actually really liked Ramses' character by the end. That was yeah, like one of the better done characters. He, he's one game. of the best characters in the Yeah, game. yeah. For sure. Very well done. Um, Zephyr and, and Faye go on to have a conversation uh, after this about, like, the importance of what he calls true freedom, right? Mm -hmm. So she's kind of talking about, like, are you going to, um, like, what if we can't break Zohar's influence over Ellie or whatever? Like, what are you going right, to do then? Yeah. Right? And he's like, well, I'm going to believe till the end that I can save her from this. Yes. But if not, like... I'm prepared for that too, kind of right. a thing. Like I'm gonna do whatever it takes is more or less what he's saying. And and she's she's trying to say, like, you don't have to do this. Like your opponent, your enemy here is the person you love. Uh, if you decide to quit, no one's gonna blame you. And and he says, to quit would be meaningless. All that I have fought for and all that I live for would come to have no meaning at all. People should be free. And this it becomes a really big philosophical contention right at the end between Krellian and, um, and Oh, Fett. yeah, yeah. Uh, right at the end. But this in is kind of where they first plant conscious. that he, this is what Faye's really after here, right? People should be free with no one bound by others and no one binding others. This is a part of me that desires that freedom and a part of me that uh, gives me hope. So I shall fight to win true freedom. For we are still alive. We, uh, we fight to live. That is the reason why I fight. It's proof I'm human. So, um, oh, I think he also says, uh, I, I promised my father and myself too that I would free Ellie from Deus Binds, that I would save her. And she says, I understand. Let's keep believing and hope for a miracle. 
So <clears throat> that kind of wraps up that scene. There's some other cool things that you can do here in the Crash Shavat. Um, I took note of a couple things that just gave the place a lot of personality uh, that kind of brought a smile to my face. Um, so there's one room with like a bunch of cats in it. Like the, like 10 cats like roaming around and there's just some women and stuff in there and a little girl. And okay. you talk to them and they're like, she, uh, the little girl would not um, give up till we rescued all these cats. We had to like save the cats. <laughs> <laughs> and the little girl's like, oh, I love these cats so much. You know, that's, right? that's hilarious. So like that I was like good. That but then you go further into the next room and there's like, a, it's like a meeting room, like a conference room. And you have like soldiers from Ave and soldiers from oh, Kislev no, I do and elders of Shavat. Yeah. Kind of like around like a table discussing like important strategy. But there's all these women and children running around and, <laughs> and so they're doing their little, you know, meeting and it's like, oh, be quiet. Like we're trying to do something important here. <laughs> and the women are like, don't be hard on the kids. This is the warmest room in the place. Like oh, where do you want them funny. to go? And it just, I liked that flavor. Because like it's like they're in a really bad situation. Mm -hmm. It's really helpless. But there's something really sweet about that too, that they have yeah. all of their, their wives and their families and they're, they're trying to survive and get by. Yeah. And the kids are still playing and running around, but they're trying to like do important strategy and it's like, it's just it, that's, relatable. That, that's how I imagine life would be in a bomb shelter or in a nuclear yeah. fallout shelter, where it's like, it's like two rooms, one of them's basically a storeroom. You got a bunch of adults, they have adult stuff to do, but there's kids there, and what do you do? You can't yeah, kick them out. You can't just do anything gotta, about it. You just it. gotta work around them. Yeah, and there's something very relatable about that. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That I really liked. So there's lots of cool stuff like that, and then Hans is in here, one of the dolphin guys, right? Oh, yeah, the yeah. One from uh, the from Both the of them were there, right? Hans and Franz? I don't, I don't remember talking to Franz. Maybe he was there and I missed him. But uh, Hans has a family I, now. I, okay, okay. He has like a wife Maybe, okay, and yeah. like a stepson and the stepson doesn't like him. He's like, you know, my dad, yes. he like runs away. And so he married this, this woman um, after like the Thames and was destroyed and all this destruction that's happened. Yeah. She lost her husband, so she was a widow and he kind of took her and her family and mm. the, the son is struggling to accept doesn't, him as the yeah. father. As his dolphin father. <laughs> he explains all of this. <laughs> Um, and, and then he starts reminiscing about the captain. Yes, this was so funny. I loved this part. <laughs> it's He's so like, good. I, I, can, I almost can hear it now, that the captain walking down those steps and saying, hey, we got an adventure. I've got a new <laughs> treasure chest that I found, and we're going to go get it. Yep. And you see the ghost of the captain walk down. And we ask, we're like, what happened to the captain? He's like, oh, he, he stayed he with the ship. Sunk with the ship. Yep, he yep. stayed down because captains do that. Yep. Uh, but then he's like there, and he's like, hey. He says word for word. Word for word. <laughs> I got a new treasure. Who's with me? And uh, it's so funny. Was it Hans or Franz? Which one's the one? Hans was the Kay, one. And then Hans, you know, runs up, and he's so excited. He's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. But he doesn't end up going with him, right? Well, I think at least for now he's he's got responsibility, yes. so he's got to so figure it's out It's funny, how though, because it's like, oh, if only the captain would come down. Yeah. And the captain's there, and he's like, uh, well, but still, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do anything. But it's it's great that you're here, Captain. He starts throwing doubt on the plan, which was kind of what his role was on the Thames. He was always, like, second-guessing the mm, captain yeah. before. Yeah. And so he kind of starts doing that again, possibly because he's a man with responsibilities and he's trying to find a way oh, sure. out of it. But uh, maybe, the captain maybe. calls him out. He's like, yeah. see, you're just doing what you always you're do. You're doing what you always you're do. You're always worrying about things <laughs> that, like, you don't need to worry about. That's why, that's why your son doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, um, that's great. Anyways, I, I also took down this line because you can talk to the captain on the way out as he's kind of standing there with some other people. Yeah, I feel like I did. I felt like what he says here was actually kind of profound in like a meta sense mm. for the process of writing this game. Like like for a guy like Takahashi who mm. wrote such an ambitious, like just giant enormous universe full yeah. of lore and tried to make like, like we're talking about with the introns and stuff like, Yes. Detailed explanations like for how yeah. biologically this would yeah. work. Someone who's that in in the weeds of the details of the yeah. world, right? And trying to explain it all and make it all make sense and make it work. I can relate to that in some way as mm-hmm. like you can get really bogged down on does everything make sense? Right. I need to make sure everything makes perfect sense and it all comes together or else it's going to ruin the illusion. And what the captain says here is what? How did I survive? Don't worry about those minor details. If you worry about such things, then kids will hate you, just like they hate Hans. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. And, and I was I like, I don't think Dude, I understood that immediately. I, I am, obviously that's don't so know funny. this, right? I'm, oh, I'm hey. speculating. Hey, you might be right. But it feels to me like someone might have given Takahashi that kind of yeah. advice. Someone like uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi or, s- or maybe, someone like that, right? yeah. It's like, why are you so worried about all the details? The kids, kids, kids who are going to play you. this game yeah. are going to hate you if all you do is bog them down in their anime, yeah. shonen anime video <laughs> game about details like exactly. that. Don't worry about it, right? Yeah. And I think that that, I don't know, I just really, really liked that. It, it was really funny. It was like a perfect captain line. And... Um, yeah, I, 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 it kind of struck me as being one of those things that maybe was a little more meta than it might seem. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's uh, pretty much all I took down for uh, the Shavat section here, the, the snowfield hideout. Okay. Yeah, I was actually else? surprised when I left that you are able to kind of just go wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much for Shavat, um, but... Yeah, it was nice. I was like, oh my gosh, I was wondering if I was ever going to be able to traverse this world in the airship ever again, or if there was only that brief time at the end of disc one, and then that was it. Yeah. But uh, you can, and that was pretty fun. Yeah, and oh, I guess the other thing you can do there is you can get, um, so Saiten's gear, Fenrir, you can get its sword upgraded. You go to a guy in a secret place. And he kind of upgrades it for you. Yeah, and, and I think that that's like the ultimate weapon for his gear. It was Shinrai that turned into Jinrai, or what was it? It was um, Shin Kishin that could turn Kishin into Kishin became Kijin. Kijin. Yeah. Ki means gold, Shin means god. So there's a few things that you can do now. Um, there is um, a, 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 like you can go to where um, Melchior lives. Or Melchior lives, and he'll give you some like equipment. Yeah, uh, I think a, like a goddess robe or something else like that. So you can talk to him briefly. You can go um, to another Zebuim ruins area in the yes, lighthouse. Yes, at the lighthouse. Yeah, and this is where you get more information about the Zebuim era. And it doesn't fill it in quite as thoroughly as like Perfect Works does. There's like a lot more to the story than what you get. Um, but you do get some background on Big Joe, finally. He's not just like yes. a silly guy. He was down there, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. He's down there and you can get a couple books that sort of like detail his past, hmm. which uh, I'll just read some stuff from the wiki on that. But um, more importantly, you get more about Kim and Ellie from that era and Emeralda and all of that. Um, so there's a couple of different places where you can read like reports or there's, there's like a little video you can play where it, it talks a little bit about Miang from that time period. Um, and how she was like manipulating from behind the shadows just like she is now mm -hmm. um, with the prime minister of that time. And there was a war between Sebuim and this like other organization. It was like an anti-government organization called Ravine. So there's kind of a war going on between them. But most importantly, there was a genetic defect in humans during this time period where they were struggling, like tons of people couldn't uh, have bear children anymore. So there was a problem uh. with um, like fertility. Uh, with there was a genetic defect, so like this was being passed on, and um, <clears throat> a lot of people oh, were exhibiting this. Yeah, there was a thing we actually because um, Ellie we has see this. this. Yeah, we see this in the Zebuim Ellie. Yeah, yeah, because because like she can't. Um, th so they're they're celebrating like a, a, a Christmas time or something like that. It seems they're having like it. having a dinner. Yeah, um, it's funny that they celebrate Christmas in this world that is totally unrelated to Earth, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> unless, I don't know, maybe like some of those traditions were carried on in the freaking Raziel's tree or something like that, and I, I, maybe Cain and Abel are decided to keep Continue the tradition. It. But and why? just tell the story, right? Unless, you unless you're Christian, I don't know why you would celebrate Christmas. Anyways, minor detail, who cares? The important thing is that during their dinner, um, I think that uh, Kim, is complaining about oh, the he's war. he's really upset. He's really mad because, yeah. specifically because, Ravine, the anti-government uh, rebel faction, right, the, the terrorist group that is fighting against Zebulun, they bombed like a central power reactor in Zebulun that turned off the power in his hospital where he works. And there was um, a girl that died, one of his patients died because they lost power because of that terrorist attack. And so he's just furious. Because even though what Ravine is fighting for against Zebwim might be like the, just the ideology at its core might be noble, you know, they might mm -hmm. be fighting for freedom or whatever it might be. He's talking about how it's all so stupid, so foolish yes, to justify yeah. this yeah. And, and, and the fact that it's hurting people. Mm -hmm. And so he's going on about that. Um, and, you know, Ellie tries to um, counterpoint some of this stuff. Uh, she talks about how she feels sorry for the child, but I don't think people in Ravine destroyed the generator with the intention of killing her, right? This was Final Fantasy VII, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this was basically the That's Avalanche true. group. Yeah. The, like that exact story. And he's like, even if you're trying to help out the environment or the world, yeah. you can't blow up a thing. What about the people who died? Yep. And all that kind of the stuff. The innocent people who suffer because of it. Yeah, that, was, that so was interesting. She said, they just don't know a good way to express themselves or any other way to express themselves. The government is the one to blame. And he says, is that a good enough reason for that child or those dead people? It wasn't much of an operation. It was difficult, but there was enough chance to win. We'd have won. You know, he says weed. It almost makes it seem like he's part of Ravine at this time, which I don't know if it was, that's true yet. But uh, I'll explain that in a second. Uh, we'd have won like if we had better equipment. Uh, mm. So I, I'm guessing he's talking about Ravine, and he's probably, probably joined with them at this point, but mm. we'd have won if we had better equipment. That child would have been saved if there was electricity. 
it's not, uh, it's not just that child. Five people died in my hospital. The ICU didn't function. Um, and then he kind of goes on to talk, talk about what fools people are and everything. And Ellie starts to kind of bow her head and she's, you know, feeling kind of put down by all this because she says, am I a fool too? I had a physical at the hospital today. They said I can't have children because of hereditary genetic damage. I can't create life. Am I a creature waiting to become extinct? Am I also a fool? Because he had been going on about people are just, you know, waiting to be extinct, all this stuff. Yeah, or rushing was, to was, extinction. He was on the tirade, yeah. Rushing to extinction while the war. Right. Um, so he is looking for a way to fix this genetic defect. And this is clarified more in perfect works, which we will read for next week. But Miang is at the point of deciding here to extinct, uh, to um, annihilate the human race and start over. We, we touched on this very briefly yes. last time. That there have been s like extinction cycles because she's looking for the right state of humanity to be worthy or ready to join with God again. Yeah, and that's like her job. Yeah. So that's her whole job. This genetic defect means that human beings are not ready. Mm -hmm. they're, they're defective. They can't join with God yet. So she feels like she needs to start over with like a fresh human race. Mm -hmm. And um, But she's waiting on the results of Kim's research to see if the nanotechnology can like cover well, over or, yeah. or fix this problem. But he ends up joining with Ravine instead of the government by oh, the end right. of this. And so he's actually in a Ravine research facility in that room where Ellie was shot and he's looking through the glass. Oh, that makes sense. And it's it's And that's it's the reason why the government was the showing government up. Zebulun soldiers who are that coming in wasn't to claim very clear. It's not at all. <laughs> okay. I didn't get <laughs> that is, at all, but this is all explained okay. in perfect works. Okay. Which we will read later. But. I like how he mentioned specifically um, talking about Emeralda. He's like, she, you know, we had to do such and such at the molecular level. No, the atomic level. Yeah. Because talking about the difference that mm -hmm. that um, that Krellian was Krellian was not able to figure out was he was he was able to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the molecular level; it was the atomic level, and that's yeah. what Krellian knew, but he couldn't because he, they he had to get into those introns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. After you've seen that scene, um, you have to have Emeralda with you in the party, I think, to see this. Mm. But Emeralda... I did. Then, I had her in sit-down, I think. I think then realizes, oh, you're not actually Kim, right? Right. You are the many, many generations descendant and you carry his memories. I can accept yeah. this now. They died a long time ago. Well, Faye mentioned, he says, I think the memory that I just got is for you. Yeah that I, I was meant to see this so that I could tell you. Yeah. And so, yeah, that kind of goes through. And he was, what was it, something of, along the lines of, um, I think Kim just wanted like one last hug from you or something like yeah. that. Yeah. A warm embrace. Yeah. And so she goes up and, and hugs Faye. And then this is the funniest thing, because she goes, <laughs> she steps back and she's like, well, like, I, I'm going to be strong and by myself now and you're not Kim, so you don't, I don't need to be a child to you. So, and so she just becomes an adult. She just, she just transforms into an adult form. And she's a big Emeralda now. And she's like, I can take care of myself I now. guess that's... It was cool. I actually liked it yeah. story-wise. It was actually really touching and interesting. And she's like, I don't... Anyways, it was very good for her. Um, it's just funny. It's just funny how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like... The, the more I think about this, the more it's like, 
how would a nanomachine colony uh, represent itself in, in as it like discovers its identity, right? Mm, yeah. So it it has the the disposition of a child from the time sure. we recover it. Because she it, can't it, speak well. Yeah, the childlike yeah. attachment to yes. Kim and yeah. Ellie needing a parental figure like that, not being willing to accept that they died a long time ago, mm -hmm. these types of things, childlike, I guess, disposition, right? Right. But as its mind matures, it doesn't have a body like ours that through biological processes yeah. grows. It, it, she just decided, I'm gonna be more mature now. I've learned yeah. a lesson, my mind has grown and I will represent myself now as a more adult form, right? Yeah. I guess that's the for, best way you could for the rest of the game. describe yeah. how a nanomachine colony would How it would do that, other the than the question of mass, which is yeah. where does the extra material Can come the from? Can the nanomachines to... reproduce? Or that seems probably, to be, probably, seems they, to be the they case. They behave like normal cells more or less, right? Yeah. So there's a biological component. They I just have... So something in it and so I guess I suppose because I mean I they, they they repair damage I would think that that would not only I mean that that would include like actually growing tissue or something like that right but anyways I don't know I'm not a molecular biologist I've stated this many times in the podcast now I, who knows how nanotechnology, You're not. nanotechnology is basically like magic anyways so. yeah basically is <clears throat> Anyways, after you've seen that scene, you can go back to Lahan Village, not to the village itself, but up to up the mountain path to Saiten's house. Mm -hmm. And remember that music box from the very beginning of the game, when uh, he brought Faye in and, he yes. was, uh, and it kind of opens oh, up. Oh, I didn't and go it plays. there. So you can go back there, and on the side of the music box is a message. And you have to have Emeralda with you, I think, to see it. Dude, yeah, I didn't But it says, celebrating my daughter's birth, May all the dreams, courage, and love in the world be yours. So that was a message from Kim, from and, Kim. and and, and a, a present from Kim to Emeralda, well, that, no. that music box. Okay, I remember there was a cake somewhere, right? Because Emeralda talks at some point about seeing white with candles on top of it. Oh, I don't remember that. This was a while ago. I, it could be that I read it in the script. Maybe, I'm pretty maybe sure it was in the game, though. I, I believe you. I just don't remember. And she says, oh, I saw a white with with fire on top. Hmm. I thought I figured that was a cake. Oh. It could very well have been a cake. But there was also this thing. Yeah, so this the was music a gift box for her. was a gift that Kim gave to Emeraldo. Well, now I'm trying to remember what that box was. Cause, um, it was just, uh, it played It didn't uh, work. A little theme. It was a bad omen. It's playing that theme. It had the angel on the tree and the sun and the moon on each side. And it's a little angel in the center that sort of spins around. That turns, yeah. And it plays that little melody. And then it just breaks. And what Saiten, I remember what Saiten says to Faye is like, or Faye's like, oh, this music, this feels like there's another person inside of me. Yeah, and I kept thinking, see, because I had no idea how this game works. I would have gone back there if I had made the connection that that had anything to do with Kim, because I didn't freaking know who Kim yeah. was. Oh my gosh, that's actually really cool, because I was assuming it would have been Lacan or Id or something right. like that. But instead, it's like, this it's is like way further back. Kim, the second advent of the contact. Okay, yeah, that's it, that pretty cool. That was Kim's memory kind of stirring in Faye as he listened uh. to that music of the music box. 
Interesting. So, pretty good stuff. <clears throat> a little, you know, Easter egg that they hid there back at that uh, uh, back at Sight and Sauce. Yeah, very cool. Um, there's yeah, also there, there was a birthday of sorts for Emeralda that she has some memory of, but yeah. that she doesn't have any memory of Ellie though. So it would have been just just Kim and Emeralda for like one day right. before everything went wrong. Yeah. So um, there's another side quest you can do. There's like this desert um, where it's like a, a bunch of dune men are out there and um, uh, you go through and there's like a, an old like dragon skeleton mm -hmm. with a sword in it and you can climb up there and get that sword. It's a Yamada sword and it's, it's like Saiten on foot's most powerful weapon. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, hmm. There's a couple other treasures you can get up there. So like there's that whole thing you can do too if you care to do it. I think aside from that, that's about mm. it in terms well, of things. Saiten's new sword, by the way, is spelled differently in the English oh, versus Japanese. Oh, versus Japanese. The, oh, it, the, 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 we were, the one we were talking about back at Japan. Yeah, the yeah, Kishin yeah. or Kijin. The Kishin, the Kijin. This was saying it's a Kishin Ken is how it would have been pronounced in the Japanese, which uh, means machine god sword. Ah. Uh, which I, I'm trying to figure out how that works, actually. But either way, he's got his typical sword, and then this is the machine god sword. Now, I don't know how perfectly accurate this is, but it seems... Sounds like Xenogears to me. It's a kanji I've never <laughs> seen before, but according to the translate tool, it says machine god sword, so... Sounds pretty dope. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> but I didn't know there was, a, there was another another sword even more powerful, because that sword is pretty good. Yeah. So that's about it for side quests and little things you can do around the world at this time. Basically, the last thing to do is to go to the final dungeon and beat yep. the game. This is possibly my least favorite final dungeon in the history of video games. <laughs> now, what did you think of when you drop into the hole and it's like turning? That's cool. While you go, I actually, I, I that's like one that. of the only notes. I said, falling through the place to get to Deus was super cool, but also crazy and maybe not necessary for an unfinished <laughs> game to have done something like that. It's like, that it's was a little, fun. It's a little uh, um, Star Fox-like. So you're kind of, talking about like the maze thing and just moving the, all the platforms. The, the maze nature yeah. of that final dungeon is so it, confusing. It felt like it was just to make it take longer. Yes. Yeah. And everything looks the same. Every uh, yes. hallway, yes. every and asset, every pivot point and all the like, bridges. What yep. the fetch, dude? Like yeah. the best way to handle that dungeon is to never change your orientation on the compass. Oh, sure. You have to that remember you're, where you're pointing and like that's and just north. leave it there. And I've been this way or I have not been this way. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to go up between the levels. So like every, there's I like know. two levels to everything. My goodness is yeah, it annoying to try um, to figure this out. That was Because you don't even know necessarily where you're trying to get. You pull up the map and there's a red node amongst a bunch of other nodes and that might give you the, okay, that's probably where I'm supposed to go. Right. But it's not like the characters pointed out like that's where we need to go. I, in fact, I think they... I think there is a shot now that I remember it where the, it does kind of like the camera does kind of pan over but there's just like every freaking bridge and well, as column soon as you're doing things, and it's, yeah. it all looks exactly the freaking same. It does. It does. <laughs> there's nothing distinct and visually about anything. And that's, so it's so hard to know what is what and what's important. That's the problem with the future. Yeah. At least as, as um, <laughs> presented you know, in movies and games yeah. and stuff. It's like everything looks the same. It's this, it's this weird colory thing. Sterile. Uh, shiny. Metallic. Yeah, metallic. Just like yeah. indistinct. 
designs everywhere. Everywhere. And it's very hard to figure out. Yeah, welcome Luckily, I took meticulous notes the first time I played the game. So oh, that really? anytime I come back here, You're like, I have hey, my own here. set of instructions. Yeah. Do this, go down this elevator. Go south one node, go oh up gosh. the elevator. Go That's southeast funny. to one node. Jump up and activate the thing. Go down the elevator. <laughs> go back. That's <laughs> it's funny. Like, it's like step by step, so I will never have to figure that out again. Yeah. Um, when you know what you're doing, it's actually not that long of a dungeon. You can beat it in maybe 30 minutes or something like that. So it's, as far as final dungeons go, it's not like the longest, but it can feel very long. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like, I don't know what to freaking do in here. Yeah, it's I, disorienting. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, I don't get it. Um, and anyways, not my favorite final dungeon. But then but, you hop down the hole. Yes. And it's freaking... The Return of the Jedi with the Millennium Falcon. You're just <laughs> going around. I, th I swear, was it um, uh, Shadows of the Empire had a, had a, a yeah. mission like that where uh -huh. you're dodging things as it goes and it's like yep. rotating? Yep. Yeah. It does. Now, just as it is, it's, it wouldn't be too difficult, but the, you have to guess at where it will be when it rotates, and that's yep. freaking annoying. And the camera's the rotating. Yeah, but you're, you're like not. Anyway, yes. it's crazy. Uh, so that it's was kind of fun. But, but it was fun. We I get, thought it looked pretty cool. You do get, that twice. Yeah. You get one more descent past the angelic figures. Yes, where it once again shows that you're the flame in between the two. Yep. I think pretty it's cool. actually just exactly the same one we've already come down to before. It's the I same think so. Because it looks, it's the blue projection and yeah. all that. In fact, a lot of the enemies we're fighting are, um, they're laser-ish, light-looking Yeah, they're almost holographic-looking. Yeah. There's a transparency <clears throat> to them. Yeah, yeah. Similar. Very, that's, very that's good point. Interesting. I don't know what that is, but... Um, anyways, you go into that room where Deus was, where the, the Ellie's crucifixion scene happened. You jump down there, and you get into the Deus core. And the Deus core is surrounded by four orbs of light yeah. going around it. And they kind of give you the choice. They're like, yeah. how, how do you want to do it? You can either use fuel and try to take out the orbs, which will make the Deus boss battle less powerful. Yeah. He'll like, lose abilities or lose maximum health or couple of other things um, he'll just be weaker yeah and you'll have to use expend fuel in the attempt to do that and you'll have less fuel for the final battle or you can go straight to it and reserve your fuel but the boss will be harder yeah um, I did the four things you first. took them all out and um, they're really cool battles it's just like a symbol on the ground yeah the one like of them a, yeah a gold symbol mm -hmm. yeah really cool i thought it was really cool and the way it would attack and move and yeah, yeah. really abstract with that kind of stuff um, i actually on this playthrough just went straight for oh, really? Deus and just fought it because Do i would recommend that i mean the the it the depends on your satellite battles setup. aren't too difficult depends totally on your equipment setup at the, this the whole dungeon was actually pretty easy at this <laughs> point in the game I had bought all of that stupidly expensive equipment from Big Joe back in Zebra. Oh, yes. Oh, I yeah. forgot to do that, by the way. I'll do that in a second. I'll go back and talk about Big Joe's backstory. Oh, yeah. Um, I bought all of that stupidly expensive equipment, mm. so my gears were absolute beasts at this point. Yeah, me So too. I just fought uh, Deus Final Form, and I beat it in four rounds. <laughs> so it's not really that hard anyways. <laughs> well, the whole, I'd say this whole ending was not difficult. Yeah. The whole, the way the game ends, and I was expecting it to be a lot I mean, worse, the game generally is a pretty easy game. There's one there's or a few two like, really hard. bosses that are yeah. tough, 
but um, for the most part, it's it's an easier RPG. I mean, yeah. Square games typically were. They, they weren't known as like the really, really hard The really RPGs, complicated right? ones, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but this is where we come into kind of a lot. This is going to be the bulk of what the podcast is about is breaking down the ending here. Because there's a heck of a lot of stuff that happens. So when you kill Days, uh, the core, Days' core kind of shuts down and all of their gears shut yes. down too. Except technically FaZe. Yes, and that's he only because move, he, made he contact. contacted yeah, the wave existence. That. So the Xeno gear still has power because mm. of the contact has the power of the wave existence in him. So his gear still works. All the other gears are shut down because the Zohar was what was powering all the gears in the world to begin with. Okay, yeah. So they can't move. But then all of a sudden, Dave's core like comes back online. And again, this is because the wave existence is still trapped in the Zohar. So it's an yeah. infinite energy source, right? But it's, it's basically, Saiten is talking about how there's a level of energy there that is strong enough to destroy the whole planet. Yeah. And there's basically nothing they can do. If it explodes, it's, it detonates like they're all dead. We're mm. screwed. This is it. This is the end kind of thing. But then it starts to shoot out into the atmosphere. Well, you hear this like... Yeah. Sound. And it's as though something's like punching it away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at first, it seemed like they were like, oh no, is, is Deus... Deus, there's activity with Deus. Deus is, is moving again. I'm like, oh great, yeah. we're going to... Have to kill freaking Deus like 15 times. <laughs> I thought that last boss battle was too easy. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out it was actually Ellie waking up within Deus, right? Yep. And using the power to like bat the thing. Get it away. Away from the planet. So yeah. that it would save the planet. She's, yeah. she's self-sacrificing again. Because it would kill her. Yeah. Because it's going to detonate and she'll die because she's in it. Yeah. But it'll save everyone else. It's, this is the, the anti-types self-sacrificing yes. personality once again it's what emerging. She does. Yeah. And, and they're just like, no, like we can't let her do that. But they can't move. They're, yeah. they're literally stuck. So Faye's the only one that can move. And I don't know how they get out, by the way. But somehow basically, they, somehow they got out. They're like, Saiten puts, he, he lays out some arbitrary rule here. You won't have enough energy to get back if you go yes, after Yes, of course. I don't know how he knows that. <laughs> I don't even know why that's true. Because the Xenogears is powered by the wave oh, existence yeah. itself. But whatever. Whatever. They're okay. trying to raise the stakes here. Right. If Faye goes after Ellie, there's, he's probably not going to be able to come back. He'll be stuck and in Bart's outer like, space. I'm not letting you do it unless you promise me you'll come back. And he's like, yes, okay, fine, I'll promise. And then he like, takes off. Yeah. I think the idea there is more not making a promise that you will come back, more like a promise that you won't give up. Right. Like, sure. I've been told it's impossible for me to return, so I'm going there with the intention of not coming back, yes. versus I'm making a promise that I will do everything I can to come back, right? I'm mm -hmm. not just going to give up when I get there. Because he was just thinking, uh, she's going to self-sacrifice. I don't want her to be alone. I'm going to mm. go there to be so that someone can be with her okay. when she dies, right? right? So she doesn't have at least to be alone. Because that was her whole thing is when, when she would talk to him is about knowing how lonely it can be, right? Yeah. And, and not wanting to be alone. That's kind of a big fear of hers. And yeah. so he just wants to be with her in that sacrifice. And so Bart's like, no, that's not good enough. You have to actually try to come back. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. That's I good. see it that way. Yeah, more. sure. I like that interpretation, actually. I like that. So Faye doo, takes off into the atmosphere. 
And it has this pretty, like, Deus is there, and it has this kind of cool wormhole effect that they go into. Yeah, once it explodes, basically, because yeah. you get into it, and yeah, he approaches her, and then it's like, and it's just, like, crazy. And you end up in kind of that, like, space of, um, like, water on the floor where you met like the wave existence. Like coming out, yeah. And um, everybody's naked here, and I think yeah. the, the, the purpose of this is, it's a more abstract thing, like, right? Because I, th I, I think... Crowleyan even says something here like, um, well, like the wave existence, even back when we found the wave of existence the first time, um, I am your perception of me, basically, right? So this is mm -hmm. like your mind trying to make sense yeah. of this So we're inside place. of our own mind, basically. It's it's just their naked consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, these aren't their bodies. Although Crowleyan still got his little headband. Yeah, it's true. How, how do you work that one? Well, again, maybe this is just Faye's perception of Crowleyan's consciousness. It's so, like him, his mind giving form to Crowleyan's consciousness. He's kind of, he's kind of perceiving it fair. in his own way. Fine, right. fine, fine. So in phase consciousness, Krillian, <laughs> naked Krillian keeps that headband on. <laughs> I think the reason that they're naked is just because it's their naked consciousness. It's the pure self. I understand yeah. that. I understand. Yeah, There's exactly. a good symbolism there. And it's like they're, everything's laid bare. Like they're, <laughs> yeah. they're facing each other, the true selves, right? Yes. He's really talking to Krillian, not Krillian's persona, yes. not who Krillian is wanting to be or pretending to be, but they're, they're seeing each other's true selves and having right. an honest conversation. And I think the nakedness is... Yeah. Symbolic there. Yeah. And so, um, let's see here. I, I have all the dialogue pulled up for this ending scene. And I think it's probably good to go through some of this like line by line to kind of like work out what is Xenogears really yeah. all about here, right? Like what is, what is this game? Because this is where it's all kind of brought together. The, the, thematically it is. Hmm. So Faye kind of wakes up in this space. He's like, where am I? Oh, that's Ellie. This must mean that I'm inside of Deus. And then there's a human face that sort of appears yeah, in the place. Yeah, vague, vague shape of a face. In the place where the wave existence was the first time he was here. And it says, not exactly. Your actual body is but a physical object. It, was mere, it has merely been absorbed into Deus' outer shell. Only your consciousness is here. So there's the direct, you know confirmation mm -hmm. that these are not their bodies. This is just their spirit, their consciousness, their yeah. will, whatever you want to call it. Um, of course, the girl you perceive in front of you is not a true being. Your consciousness is merely creating her image. So Faye is sort of creating the images. He's his mind is trying to make sense of mm. this fifth dimensional realm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, of the wave existence, just this world of waves and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, <clears throat> So Faye says, the wave existence? No, that's not you. Who are you? It can't be. Is, is that you, Krellian? That's right, isn't it, Krellian? It was you who did this to Ellie. And Krellian says, the path of Sephiroth has been connected. No one can stop God from returning to his world now. Well, so what have you come here for, Lacan? Yeah. What were you going to say? Nothing. Just the idea that the path of Sephiroth is all within the mind anyways. Yeah. So how this is all happening is through... I'm guessing through the fact that Sephiroth, but Sephiroth was connected by the god. Anyways, I'm just bringing up the fact that that's all within your mind. The path of Sephiroth isn't a physical place. Yeah. It's like a mental place. So we talked a little bit about Sephiroth in yeah, the, the last episode. Circles. Yeah, the ten emanations of God yeah. and all that. This is how it's, uh, this is how it's written in Perfect Works. Um, in 
relation to the path of Sephiroth, right? It describes it like this. Mm. The phenomenon alteration engine Zohar, in the process of repeatedly selecting an event with a probability of zero, while the probability axis continues to incline, at the intersection at which the phenomenal axis and temporal axis fall parallel, an alternate reality is created. I can boil that down to, you kind of made this point that I thought was pretty legit last time, yeah. that the Zohar or like the, the day system was doing, was trying to find basically like this infinite power, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the, the Zohar was built to be this infinite energy engine. Yeah. But it, it was doing these calculations or like finding the path of Sephiroth. Yes. And it, this is just describing those types of processes, right? Well, and this is the weirdest thing when you think about the path of Sephiroth, that your mind can go to these certain places, but there's a, there's a wall barring you from the top three. No one's ever gone there, or it's like you can't go there. But the question is, well, what if we create artificial intelligence? And does the path of Sephiroth, the, the path to enlightenment, does that apply to an artificial intelligence as well? Yes. Well, if it does, then they're going to somehow break through that barrier just through sheer mechanical calculations and yeah. all that kind of stuff. They're slowly going to find a way to attain that enlightenment. But, it, yeah. but, it's, but it's an artificial being. It's yeah. not a real being. Right. Well, real in the sense that you think of it. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Like, I think that's a fascinating concept that's, right there. That's what the Zohar Where, did. Yes, yes. And if the if the if Sephirot is at all a possible thing, it's not humans that are going to get it there. It's it's AI that's going to get there. And that's yeah. how Xenogears happen. And that's what like and that's the, what AI does. It gets there, <laughs> then it pulls God back down. Yeah. I just think that's crazy. So all that stuff that I read that sounds really you know, techy and stuff. The process of repeatedly selecting an event with the probability of zero, yeah. while the probability axis continues to incline at the intersection of which <laughs> the phenomenal axis and temporal axis fall parallel. That's all just describing the Zohar trying to find enlightenment. Yes. I think. As an AI yeah. computer. Right. Well, biocomputer, right? But right. But still. So it says, an alternate reality is created. This is the link or road between the, the space at the higher dimension and our universe. So the Zohar discovered this pathway between the dimensions, which is the path of Sephiroth in Xenogear's world. The borderline between this universe and the higher dimension is the contact point, also called the path of Sephiroth, which leads to God's territory. This appears to those humans who see it as an image of water. For example, the scene of Faye's contact with the wave existence, mm. that, that rippling surface that he's standing yeah. on. And water represents just the um, what would you call it? The, they they uh, called it the prima materia, right? Yes. Well, prima materia wouldn't technically have been water. It would be some spiritual matter. But the, the idea is that it's above and you can't describe it. But water is, through the Bible and elsewhere, is the, the start of God creating the universe. And prima materia means first materials that, that God, that the universe is made out of, the first material. Yeah. It's usually represented as, as water yeah. because that's the, the pure, chaotic, life-giving, you know, essence of the beginning, basically. And that's so, pretty much where life on Earth started, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. Life started in, with water. In water. Yes. Right. So. But the first thing yeah. God did was divide the waters. Right. Which is like... You're assuming water was already there, apparently, <laughs> right? And so that's, I feel like that's kind of subconsciously, that's what's going on here. You yeah. see the the far reaches of God's realm of the universe as being a place with water. Right. So that's what Krellian's talking about when he says the path of Sephiroth was connected. 
Yeah. Uh, no one can stop God from returning to his world now. So what have you come here for, Lacan? And Faye says, I came here to take the person I love back with me. So set Ellie free. The day's system has been destroyed. It's all over now. So instead, I ask you, what are you hoping to achieve now? And this is where we start to see that Crowleyan's plan evolved as things became revealed to him. Mm. And he was responsible for some of those strange behavioral changes in what Deus was doing. That Saiten noticed back when they were planning the attack on Merkava. Because mm. um, Crowleyan didn't know everything. He didn't even know about the wave existence, right? And as he became aware of these things, his plans will change. Do you remember um, the first time we went down to Zebuim where Satan was like in his own mind and he was like, why would they go through the trouble? And yes. then dot, 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 yes. and never went through with that. That would make sense that uh, that Satan had some understanding of what the plan was going to be, more or less. Yes. And that Krellian was doing other things. Yes. Like he was going through way more trouble than he ought to have to, to do other things, and that was kind of confusing Saiten even back then. Because the plan had never involved nanotechnology before. Yes. Because they didn't question God's competence. <laughs> the Gazo ministry did that. And that's the Crowley funny part with Crowley. knew it wasn't going to yes. work. And that's the funny part about him, where we see more it playing out in the scene, where he yeah. he's like, I can become God. Yeah. Like, I am going. And he I feel like some of the adjustments that he was making were kind of inserting himself into the process so that yeah. he could transcend well, could, with God, could right? could join with God. Well, sure, join it's with cause, God. because uh, remember the scene where the gazelle talked about becoming God, and yes. he, he rebuked them for that. He was like... You don't get to you become with God. God. Fair you enough. become one correction. with God. Yeah. So he that was his yeah. plan. But he as he discovered the nature of God, slowly over time, mm -hmm. it, even up to this point, now that he understands what the wave existence is, yeah. he it's his definition of what it means to become one with God changes too. Yeah. And so um, uh, let's see. He says the time when all things started, the place where all things were one, I am going there. So that's what, because Faye had asked him, what do you hope to achieve now? The time when all things started, the place where all things were one, I am going there. That's primitive so, stuff. Yes. But, but at the same time, at the same time, a lot of Krellian's life is wanting to go back to back. his past. Yes. Yes. I this connected that huge through this whole thing. For I was this like, philosophical argument. And it them. makes so much sense for his character to be so obsessed with the past and yep. to just want nothing but to go back and restart everything. Yeah. Because it, he just can't let go of the past. To go back to a time before grief. Yeah. He is trying to, I mean, he's the villain of the story. But as... as yeah. Ellie's going to say here a little later, Krellian actually loved people more than anything. Mm. He's not sure. trying to kill everyone. That's how right. it appears. He wants to end he sorrow. He wants right. to end sorrow by yeah. having everyone return back to God where right. there is no individuality. Right. Everyone is part of the same yeah. wave world as he wave now world. realizes, right? Yeah. This this place of perfect peace and love and mm -hmm. uh, acceptance and warmth and goodness and a heaven-like place where there's no sorrow or grief anymore. And, and there's this cycle of people hurting each other and competing for resources. And if in order for one person to get ahead, someone has to lose, as he puts it. Yeah, yeah. And he thinks that the only way to get there is to go back. And he's obsessed with going back. Faye 
it wants to go forward. Right. He has hope that humanity will overcome, you know, its flaws and will grow and become better and and all of these things. And so they're at this place of philosophical opposites and they're yeah. arguing these two things. And what I love about this, what I really love about this is when you really think about it, Crowleyan might not be wrong here. Faye might be the wrong one. Right. <laughs> right. And and there's there's a whole discussion to be had around that, but before we even touch that, let's kind of just get through the dialogue. <laughs> um, uh, so Faye says, what place? And Faye, uh, Crowleyan says, uh, before the beginning of the universe, in the undulating waves of the higher dimension, all things were one. It was the waves spilling out from there that created this four-dimensional universe of ours. See, I love this. He's I I love this from a Takahashi and Soria Saga standpoint. Like yeah. the idea of understanding that that water is the basis for life and all creation, but the prima materia was something spiritual, but combining those two to use terminology like wave and spill, yes. right? Because that doesn't make a ton of sense with what they're talking about. It's it's beyond our comprehension. But the imagery of a wave and yeah. of something spilling out yes. evokes the image of of just water, which is which is the proper like representation of all of this. But it's so genius that they even are even going back beyond our understanding are using that terminology to connect to make it make sense with us yep. for whatever they have in their mind. I think it's so smart. It's I love it. Super cool. It was the wave spilling out from there that created this four-dimensional universe of ours. Humankind and the souls of humankind that were born from there are merely leftovers of those spilled waves. So, and then Faye says, you're going back there? Is that what you desired? And Crowley says, Lacan, why such reluctance to become one with God? What attachment could you possibly have to this wretched old world? What meaning can be found in living out such a short existence, hurting others, hurting yourself, grinding one another down, only to inevitably die and return to dust? Why, everything we could ever desire is here. No need to be troubled by the need for love, for this place is filled mm. with the love of God. And what's funny about this, he's gonna say this in a second, he's, I think, I think Crowleyan is actually giving voice to the will of the wave existence here. Mm. I think the wave I existence- I that, but I, it didn't seem right to me. I believe that the wave existence wants to take humanity with it to the oh, higher dimension. Oh, and that's why things like that were happening. Hmm. Now that's not said out, this is my interpretation, it's not said outright, right. but I think with what he says here about the will of the wave existence in a second, it, it starts to make sense, like why would the wave existence who's been trapped here and has observed the four dimensional universe being this way, mm -hmm. and whose only desire is to get back to the higher dimension, and this universe was created with sp a spilling out of waves from that higher decision. This is part of who we are, the wave existence. Right. Part of us got out and got into this world where there's all this strife and grief and pain Let's and turmoil. Back, yeah. Why not bring it back to us? That I like that theory because I was confused at as soon as we free the wave existence, it's like, great, see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go, but the only way I can go is to kill all of you. Sorry. Bye. Yeah. And then the wave existence leaves and just kills everybody. But Understanding it this way makes a lot more sense where it's like, no, the wave existence, you know, death, whatever, I don't even, the fifth dimension, it, that's not even a thing, right? right? They wouldn't quite understand the trivialness of the human you know, condition, yeah. yeah. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm freeing you guys and you can come with me, right? Yeah. But the way humans perceive that is 
We're big. Holy crap, a <laughs> nuclear genocide. bomb. <laughs> it's going to freaking kill everybody. We can't do that stuff. Yeah. And God's like, come on, guys, let's go. Yeah. That's so funny. So, because at first I was like, that ungrateful wave existence, what a jerk. I know. What a jerk. But there might I, be something more the benevolent wave existence there. wanted to bring humanity That with is it. fascinating. I like that. So Faye says, I have not lost hope in humans as much as you have, Crowleyan. Someday humankind will come to understand one another. I sincerely believe that. I think that is never going to happen. <laughs> I do too, because <laughs> I immediately thought that and I was like, I don't really even understand myself. Yeah. I don't understand my wife, who I'm very close to. I don't understand anybody. <laughs> That's a heck of a thing for Faye to say. I That's know. fascinating. I, I think we get uh, trivially better in, in the ways that we can measure. What is it? Better than we were yesterday yes. kind of thing. Yes, yes. Like in the yeah. trivial ways that we can measure, we look at a civilization a thousand years ago and go, yeah, we're much better yeah. now it's like they had in terms to... of our human rights and, yeah. and things like that than they were. But sure. we, we still have a long way to go. And we're still incredibly tribal. Yes. And, and very much do so much infighting and don't mm -hmm. agree and cannot understand other people's perspectives and cannot unite on anything. Yes. It's, it's a huge freaking problem. And, and, and so it will subject. always be a huge problem because yeah. in this existence, we are trapped in the prism of a single perspective. I only know my own mind. Yeah. I cannot know your mind. I rely on you to explain it to me. Right. But we can't, we, <laughs> we don't can't do a very good it. job. Language is inadequate to Language explain sucks. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's horrible. And, and even worse, like, like text language yes. is even worse. So places like Twitter or oh, it's, um, even, it's, it's like, or text messages just in general. It's like, how often do you get misinterpreted there? It's like, yeah. It's, and that's kind of the way everything's kind of reverting now because people don't talk as much anymore. It's mm -hmm. a lot of it's through text. So it's like we're actually going backwards in yes. our understanding of each other yes. because we're doing the caveman scribbles on a wall instead of actually talking. Speaking but face even, even talking is so inadequate. There's so much that you just can't convey and you, will never be able to convey. You can't know someone's intention. You can try your hardest to understand it or yeah. what a lot of people don't do. They don't even try to do that. They just try to ascribe an intention yes, so they can course. dismiss. Yes. And um, that is a tribalistic way of thinking to protect our ideology also, and never challenge it. It protects your ideology, but it also keeps you from having to spend a lot of time working out everyone around you. Yes. Like that's an expensive process. It's for, so taxing. Like you have to be around someone for years, ask them tons of questions, know their whole life story that assume presumably they told you the exact truth on that they can even remember, which is not likely because no. they will have not remembered correctly <laughs> a lot of things. Because there's confirmation yes. bias and, and so all these you problems. can hear it right from them and still not know <laughs> yep. them yep. because what really happened was slightly different, but they have internalized it in a different way, but they can't articulate it and they don't remember it properly. Anyways, so many freaking reasons and why there's, it's there's, literally, but it's expensive to do. So, yeah. so this, this, uh, the straw manning tendency that humans yeah. have isn't just uh, a malicious thing. It's a, I don't have forever here, okay? Yeah. Like, give, boil it down, give me a two <laughs> sentence, give me a tweet about what this is and I'll say if I like it or not. You know, yeah. like, I don't have time to get into everything. Yeah. And I mean, because to understand a person, you'd have to not only understand their own perspective on their life. Yeah. You have to understand how mental illness worked into that. Oh, exactly. The chemical their processes. Psychological of the brain. development. Yes. 
abuse that might have happened in their life or trauma sure. yeah. that has caused them to have these other behavioral right. tendencies. That they might not like, even be aware of. Like a lot of Freudian psychoanalytic stuff was like, oh, when you were freaking born, yeah. you had this crazy trauma of birth that has affected your life and caused all these things. And it's like, nobody remembers that, right? Yeah. You can't explain one person's birthing process versus the other and who was more traumatic and what happened at the beginning first days. The mother maybe could tell you a little bit of that, but yeah. you'll never know that. But right. apparently, according to certain psychoanalysts, that factors heavily into who you grow up into, be, right. into being. Like, I, I remember seeing, I don't remember where this was, it was pretty recently, like within the last couple months, there, there was some kind of, um, like, uh, thought experiment somebody was talking about where it's like, mm. it's not like out of the question that science will reach a place where some psychopath serial killer who's you know in prison um, or on death row or something like that for something mm. they did can be given a drug that will fix that problem and they will be a normal human being. And then prisons become And um, then it's like, obsolete. is it actually yeah. just to execute this person or for them to live a life sentence if they've been cured reform? of whatever the psychological damage yeah. or psych the psychological, let's not call it damage, let's call it the makeup of their mind okay. that caused them to have the tendencies that they have, the need to mm. make other people suffer and, and uh, to control people. Like if you could rearrange the, 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 the chemical makeup of a person's mind so to where they would see themselves being horrified by what they had, what yeah. they were before. Like then, that's an interesting. Our whole judicial system—it <laughs> doesn't ma doesn't matter. make sense. Yeah, because you don't need that stuff. And this is the thing: is we just we can never understand why a person holds the beliefs that they have. Right. We. It's easy to boil it down and to say, "Oh, you're a terrible human being." Yes. It's so easy to yes. do that because then I can justify then you my can write ideology off, right you and can i can write say things see off. i'm the good guy yeah and that's what a bad guy looks like yes and you but don't you, have to confront your own shadow you yeah. don't have to yeah <laughs> and it's just like just put it all off on them that's you straw man and then go about your life is not reality no not even close <laughs> but but you you so that's a fascinating ex thought experiment right yes. there because that pill would start to be used on lighter and lighter crimes yeah going up into it basically would become eugenics, minority report stuff that would eventually go into pre-crime and it would basically make everyone the same. Yeah. At some point, everyone would take a pill the moment they're born, okay, maybe a <laughs> shot, I don't know, and they would get this in them because that eradicates all potential of be any some, wrongdoing. Like, psychological standard. Yes, but of humanity. But that standard will keep being raised until yeah. at some point we're all we're all the same. Everyone's and this, everyone's the same. This ties into That's this philosophical debate, a dystopian which Krellian is trying to get rid of all of that suffering and grief right. and trauma, which is caused by this discrepancy with, of people's psychology yes. and their levels of being able to communicate and be understood or not, with joining with the wave existence where everyone is the same thing. Yes. This is um, <laughs> this is actually a part sort. It's it's close to the central plot element of Bra a Brave New World from yeah. Aldous Huxley, which is everyone takes that pill. It's like morphine type thing. It makes it's an LSD kind of thing. It just yeah. makes you feel good all the time, and everyone's yeah. just always taking it. Right? right. You seen the movie Equilibrium, right? Yes. Yeah, it's that kind of thing where everyone just you, no one feels. Everyone's like the same. It's just you're all robots and stuff, and and that's cool. That's the way to live, right? And it's like. 
may, maybe an argument could be made that you ended suffering, fine, but these people aren't living is the idea. Yeah. You're not living once you've eliminated any possibility for anybody to do anything other than what is considered the right thing to do, but then we're all robots. Right, yeah, and, and so then now we get down to what is the purpose of a perfected state and the existence yeah. of a perfected state? You know, we talk about God being omniscient and, mm. and all-powerful and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this kind of ties back to some discussion we had. We didn't do a podcast on the full game of Lost Odyssey, but oh, we did one yeah. podcast on it. Yeah. And the, the idea of that the game is that the, when you live forever, yeah. like, does, does such an existence at some point like, start to feel meaningless? Right. Where you just keep living and it never ends, right? So I, I believe if you oh, boil but down... There's a pure, there's a pill that cures the feeling of meaninglessness. Yes. But what I'm getting at is that <laughs> keep growth comes from conflict. Yes. If there is no yes. conflict. Yes, good point. If there is nothing challenging you, if there is yeah. no sorrow and there is no grief and there is no no conflict whatsoever, there's not really there is no growth. any growth. That's true. I mean, I agree with that. Actually, you don't on a fundamental move level, I agree with forward. that. Yeah. You don't challenge who you were and see a need to change and right. progress. You just smoke weed <laughs> and chill all day. And just you do feel nothing. good all day and, and nothing, nothing happens, right? Yeah. So this is something I've wondered about is, is would eternal life really even be something a person would something want desirable. after a certain amount of time passes? Sure. Once you have learned everything, yes. once you know everything, once there is no longer a single conflict left to conquer, <laughs> you know everything and you are all powerful, you can do anything. Yes. You've become God. The idea is that you then become God. What on earth is there left to do? Would to, that existence not be hell in and of itself? You know what? That's fascinating. P possibly there is no end for humanity but hell in different ways. <laughs> and it's like you pick which one, right? Um, but no, and then, and then you're God, so now you go. Now you go be God. Now you go create a universe and, and but maybe that's the interesting new thing How many times do you have to you do, do that before... There's any point left in that? You're, you're right. At some point, you do run into the I've created. Should I create my thousandth universe? <laughs> it's like dude, this is why I feel like the just, only way, yeah. the only way that eternal life could be meaningful is if there was never an end to some level of conflict, even for a god. I agree There's with got that. to be a conflict. Yeah. There's got to be continual growth yeah. forever for it to stay meaningful and purposeful. I, I totally agree with that, actually, even like on a religious level, like I agree with that. But in part, okay, so there's a, there's a fun quote from Dostoevsky that he says, um, if humans ever attained uh, Utopia, utopian state. Yeah. The first thing that they would do is find a way to destroy it. Yeah, because yeah. they need conflict. Because that's what, so does um, something interesting will happen, uh, right? Uh, notes, notes from the underground. Yes, notes from the underground is yes. where he writes about. Yes, that. Yeah. and and it's one hundred. It's so accurate. Like Dostoevsky had a really good grasp on the crucial human, what human condition, basically. Yeah. So good, and he elaborates it in. It's hard to convey it in words, but he tells these stories that kind of give you that image. Yeah. But that is the central idea. Just so that something interesting will happen, people will destroy the perfection around them. Yeah, and that is who humans basically who, who <laughs> humans are. Now, to to one one extent that humans find meaning that seems to perpetuate, although Lost Odyssey challenges this a bit, but that's because of the mortality. But it's it's through family, yeah. generally speaking, 
right? So if you can be God, but also have a family, <laughs> and that family just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But what makes family interesting? There's these different personalities and dynamics. Watching things grow and challenge and, and overcome seeing challenges. seeing them overcome yeah. challenges, but so also you, they yeah. challenge you because yes, they think they differently you. from you. And then you if grow through them. You had five exact copies yeah. of yourself who acted exactly the same way as you, family would not be interesting You're anymore. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> and if, right. if we all turn back into waves and we all exist as one consciousness that has no conflict whatsoever, yeah. what purpose is there in such a life? That's my question, not the game's no, question. That's, no, I love it though. I love it. It's a cool, but it's probably, it's an interesting question. But I, I, I apply that question to Faye. Faye yeah. is asking Krellian that. Like then what? More or less. And Krellian's like, who cares then what? Things will be, there is no then what. Yeah. So you just be and don't be sad. So Faye is basically saying, I, I have not lost hope in humans as much as you have. Crowley, someday humans will come to understand or humankind will come to understand one another. I sincerely believe that. So he believes mm -hmm. in the process, the growth process that yeah. comes through conflict and trauma and grief and sorrow. I, that is the path to walk for growth sure. of, the, of the human race and of our yeah. kind, right? That's fascinating. It's necessary. One more thing, Faye's not a, human though. Right? This is important. <laughs> okay, okay. This is yeah. an important thing to in take fact, into. In fact, we're getting, I get a lot of uh, vibes of <laughs> near actually here because it's like at some point, Yeah. well, maybe I shouldn't. Get this is a Im very important point to bring up because there's a bit of a conflict in some of this because of this. Okay. Um, so Krellian says, how can you be sure humans will never come to understand each other? I also believe that's true, but I also believe that's why life has purpose, right? Right, so you agree with Krellian's with statement, but he's taking it to a, a logic that, I think, that does not make sense to you. Yes. So it's like well, your, your source is yeah. right, but your actions are betraying I think what your the, philosophy is. I agree with the central idea. I disagree with the way you're going about addressing it. Yes. I agree with Faye with the way he's going about addressing <laughs> so it. So you're kind of split. That's funny. <laughs> Anyways. Um, he says, you said that she is the person you love, but can you say that you even truly understand each other? You brought that up. I did, I did, yes. All humans do is nope. place themselves at a comfortable distance from each other and call that mutual understanding, spiritual unity, or true love, but it is all lies. Man cannot associate with others without first deceiving themselves. That is the way they were created. That's fascinating. It's true. It is true. It is actually 100% true. Uh, Faye says, but one being's ego can't determine everyone's fate. People have the right to choose their own destiny. That is why humans have free will. That's not necessarily a rebuttal of what Krellian just said. No, it's, it's more not. a pivot onto the fact yes. that I don't care if you're right, I still have to be able to choose my yeah, own fate. Yeah, and I choose to give you the middle finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Krellian says, and what if that will itself was predetermined? And this is also the whole question of is free will even Yes, is real? free will, That's yes. That's a whole separate topic yes. that is fascinating. That is very fascinating. <laughs> is it an illusion? But what is illusion? But a, a, um, a thing that is consciously created. And yeah. It's crazy. Uh, what then? Oh, what folly. Humans are just primitive life forms that have no such thing as free will. Mankind has merely been allowed to live in an imperfect state as is, as will be. It is for this very reason, because humans have this wretched will or whatnot, that humans must experience sadness and loss. For someone to gain something means another must lose it. It is impossible to make humankind share limited things and affections. So I came to the conclusion that everything must be reverted back to where it all began, to go back to when all was one, waves and nothing else. It is not my human's ego, it is the will of the waves the will of God. 
I think he is telling the truth when he says that. Yeah. I, I believe that he that this is actually he's he's saying it because he is so grieved. He's yeah. coming from a place of brokenness and grief and sorrow, yeah. and so it can seem like he's saying this because he's just trying to escape his grief, and that's not a good reason. Right. But I do think he is right in saying this is the will of the wave existence, because yeah. the wave existence doesn't understand the human experience like Faye and all the other right. humans do. He has a hard time understanding it, because yeah. he just knows the yes. fifth dimension and how yes. great that is, and this is pretty messed up down here. Yeah, this and is screwy. Come back. <laughs> I love how right? Krellian is 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 um, submitting the idea that the creation of the universe was done entirely by accident. Yes. By using the word spill. Uh, some of the waves spilled out yes. and it was a total accident. Yes. Like, clean it up, put it back in. Yes. <laughs> Wipe it up with a towel and wring it out back in the bucket. Yes. Um, I've never quite heard that explanation of somebody who would believe in God but then also believe that this was a total accident. God like <laughs> is basically completely absent and yes. doesn't even realize that some of his cups spilled. You know, right? It's crazy. Yeah, that's it's fascinating. It's, it's an interesting it, way it, to look the, at it. The, the reason I love this scene so much is because there is such a strong point mm -hmm. made on both sides, and there's yeah. basically nothing in storytelling I love more than philosophical debates like this well, where it's impossible to make out who's right. Yes, dude, Dostoevsky, and that's why like Dostoevsky's love, whole thing. And that's why I love this series. Yes, yeah. Like, I've of, only read the first of one. Of all but. the weaknesses that may exist yeah. in the Witcher stories, right, that anyone could point out, like it's one of those things where all of that means nothing to me because he does this so well. Yeah. There's a moment particularly in Blood of Elves mm. Um, I'm not going to go into details on it. I'll probably cover this book either on my own channel or on the archive channel or something because I want to start getting into more like book discussions. But where he does this, where there's one character who explains a thing that happened and the way that um, Ciri should feel about it. And she's then trying it, to and persuade then it's her. Challenged. And it's It's a dwarf character and she's yeah. like, oh wow, okay. And, and I, I thought the same thing. Right. The dwarf got done explaining what happened, and I was like, yeah, that's that's solid. Yeah. <laughs> that's a solid... Try, um, try to get around that. <laughs> solid uh, explanation there. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Geralt comes in afterwards and explains it in this totally different way, and I'm just like blown away how oh. the whole table can be flipped. Hmm. And it's that kind of thing that I feel is happening here. Like, yeah. Krellian is making really great points. Faye is making really great points. It's hard to determine who's yeah. right when you really dig into it, right? Right. Hey, you should read The Brothers Karamazov, by the way. Totally should. Yes, from Dostoevsky. That, that's probably the best, like, exchange of, like, fundamental viewpoints between um, two characters that, well, that you'll find anywhere. It's stuff like this, when we go back to the very beginning of our podcast, episode one, where I was talking about how people consider... Um, Xenogear's story to be on the same level as some of that, like, okay. uh, um, you know, classic Russian literature. Okay, yeah. In terms Tolstoy of its use of Tolstoy. allegory and its philosophical mm. content. It's cool. This is why. Yeah. This is why. Okay, so Faye says, well, that's all right, too. We don't have to be perfect. Actually, being imperfect makes mankind live by helping each other. This is the symbol of Nysan. The man and the woman with one oh, yeah. wing yeah, yeah. that can fly only coming together right. with the flame in between them. That whole symbol that we've built up and seen the whole game is what Faye is saying here. 
Right. Actually being imperfect makes mankind live by helping each other. That's what being human is. That's mutual understanding. That's unity and love. I'm glad, no, I'm proud to be human. Ellie placed the future tomorrow in our hands based on our choice. And she is working to keep Deus far away from our planet. She's also trying to steal your heart. You who wants to journey all alone to be with God. Can't you understand Ellie's feelings? Do you have to become one with God before you're able to comprehend all of this? I understand. I know her feelings as if they were my own. Yes, she and I are one. We don't need God's help. So the unity of mankind as opposed to the unity with God. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's all about individual free will. Right. And people being given a choice and not being on some destiny laid out, some predestiny laid out by God and the choice being taken away from them. Mm. And, and the fact that we are imperfect beings means we rely on it. There's, there's a value to that. There's a mm. value to that existence. The same as the one that you're aspiring to. Yes. I like this line here. Mm. He says, do you have to become one with God before you're able to comprehend all of this, right? Yeah. So I, I think what he's saying there is like humans, like in order for you like, do you really have to go become one with God to understand humans? Because you're yeah. saying humans will never understand each other. You have to become God so that you'll understand everything, right? But then once you become God and then you understand humans, then you can't be human again. You, <laughs> you have, it's, you it's have it's to give late. up your humanity exactly. in order to achieve but, that. But then you have to give up the Godhood to become human. It's mm. like you, you can't do both. But in order to understand humans, you'd have to be a God. But once you understand the value or once you understand humans to become human, or I think Faye is saying in order, if you understand me and if you really understand how I'm feeling, you'll know that why I want to stay here. But in order for you to really do that, you have to become God, but then you'll understand why you should be here. But too late, you're, you're God now. You'd have yeah. to not be God to be here. And um, I, I think... Yeah, and then that's, do you have to become God before you can comprehend all of this? That, yeah. that, I feel like that's it's his a criticism line. there. Yeah, it's a very good line. It's packed full of, <clears throat> of a lot of stuff there. So Crowley then says, well then, prove it to me. Show me this power of humans. Show me this love that you say can make you independent of God. Now, the that is, becoming independent of God, right, is, is the key there. Because the final boss mm. is your bolos or your boros. The Euroboros ring that was found in the introns yeah. of Ellie's DNA. Yeah. This is what tied humanity to Deus. This was this was the genetic data left yeah. or that was installed into Ellie by Deus, right? Yeah. Um, and that you have to actually fight Uroboros and destroy it, it's which a, is the the final form of Miang. It's a fascinating. Um, it's. <clears throat> Was like a scorpionish looking it's, thing. It's like a serpent, sort of. It's mixed like a serpent. with like an, an angelic, yeah. like it's a winged serpent, like uh, with like a Miang head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fascinating. <laughs> but that's but like the dragon, element of right? Miang, right? Yeah. Like Miang being able to like awaken in any woman. It's this Ouroboros. Yeah. So she ring. is the Ouroboros, which which yes. in um, some ways the Ouroboros is uh, is what binds humanity in and what separates chaos from order in yeah. some way and and it represents the cyclical process of chaos but um having her be the one that represents that because she is the one that is constantly dying and being reborn that yep. is the ouroboros right. symbol 
and Miang is representative of that symbol by the fact that she is the one who constantly goes through this cycle over and over. And by killing Miang, we destroy not just the Ouroboros, but we destroy the cycle of the Ouroboros, which is the cycle of God, which is the, this keeps happening over and over and over, and it, and it goes on forever. And instead, you get something along the lines of, like a, a line or a segment, like you go straight from this point now, you're not constantly going in a circle, right. the way humans have been doing. That's really cool symbolism right there. It's really cool. It's really cool symbolism. <laughs> so uh, here's the wiki of uh, Xenogears. It says, Eurobolos is the final boss of Xenogears, taking place after defeating Deus and its counterparts. Despite being the final boss, she is extremely easy and it's almost impossible to lose against her. Yes. It's a, it's a fight that you can't lose, but yeah. the, the symbol is what's important. Uh, Kralian, wishing to know the true nature of humankind, puts Faith Fong Wong through one final test, this time against a form of Miang as the Eurobolos. In this form, she is half human and half serpent with angelic wings. Fei fights her in Xenogears. The music uh, that plays is one who bears fangs of God. I love that song, by the way. Um, so once Eurobolus is beaten, Krellian finally understands this meaning of love between Fei and Ellie, as well as humanity itself. Something Sophia had tried to teach him long ago. Because remember, he misunderstood what she said. Oh, yeah. She said, you can't find God. I can't remember the direct quote. It's not outward. You have to go inward yeah, to find to go God. And he yourself. took that to mean what he set out to do To here. go become God or be one. He doesn't him. realize how wrong he was until after Faye defeats Eurobolos. Mm. Um, uh, Krellian then allows Faye and Ellie to return to their planet to live their lives with their friends. Although Krellian envies Faye and Ellie, he continues his path into the way of existence to walk with God. So Now, uh, there's two thoughts here. Uh, one of them being that there is no... This is a tenet of worldwide storytelling that when somebody has committed horrible acts that they are not allowed to live or they cannot continue in the story. Yeah. They have to die or whatever really happens to Krillian, I don't know. But they are not allowed to coexist with humans anymore. And this always, not always, this usually happens whenever you're watching a movie or reading a story um, even if there is redemption for the character at the end, he still has to die. Yes. And I don't know, I've, we've talked about this before, I don't know exactly why this is, given the Christianity emphasis on, on forgiveness and, yeah. you know, repentance and things like that. But um, that is how it is. There is no forgiveness. There is no repentance. There, you, you, it, you, you, there is no... There is um, forgiveness, atonement. but it, it only comes after a you sacrifice. You pay for your own yes. sins. You have to pay for your own sins. There's, there's, Nobody... um, what's the word for that? It's not reprobation. What's the word? Anyways, there's a word for it. I forget what it is. Reciprocity, something like that. <laughs> something like but that. But the opposite of it. <laughs> yeah, so if somebody does something really bad, even if they become good later, it's like they have to die because they have to pay for their sins because that's the story people want to hear and want to see unfold is a story of justice and the bad guy or even if he becomes a good guy but did bad things he still has to pay for what he did right yeah. and you see this in you see this all over the place but you see it a lot in like Korean television for example and in Hollywood movies and yeah. everywhere so Krellian cannot come back to humanity he can't yeah. it's like I've done too much I've gone too far I can't come back right yeah. and as much as the idea for us is, oh, anyone can come back. There's always hope. You can always come back. What we're really telling ourselves deep in our subconscious is once you've done certain things, you can't come back and, and 
like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> You're gone. You're done. And movies and games and TV shows, they always end up having this kind of thing. You know, well, even with, with Carlyon's realization, it's like, yeah, but I still have to leave because I was so bad. Yeah, there's, there's a couple elements to that. And uh, I want to get to it in just one second Kay. because I want to read what Perfect Works says about the Eurobolos symbol. So it says, the Eurobolos is a snake that eats its own tail, the self born from its own self. Yeah. Before psychological awareness okay. is in a state of hibernation, a gathering of unconscious will. What were you going to say? Just the fact that it's not only that it eats itself, but that it, I mentioned it before, born when the snake itself. is born is when it sheds its skin. Right. It looks like it's coming out of its mouth. So it's not just a snake eating its own tail, it's also a snake um, exiting its own body. Skin and, and yeah. yeah, continuing the process. It's both, yeah. Again, it cannot make <clears throat> judgments, unable to tell the difference between self-awareness and reality. This, a little bit to me, is kind of mirror stage. Uh, like oh, okay. uh, Lacan's yeah. mirror stage. Yes. Where a baby is like its actual true self until it, it learns sees. to reflect, or see its own reflection, and it starts to create an yeah. image. Then it's like, of oh, itself. that's me. Right. <clears throat> and it's like, well, that's but the problem. The real self was what was before the baby could uh, see itself in its own reflection yeah. and start to have, build this ego uh, idea, this image about what it is. Yeah. Which is a, all a persona, right? It's all yes, it's yeah. it's not the real self. So kind of the same thing with Ouroboros, right? Um, they're saying uh, before psychological awareness uh, in a state of hibernation, a gathering of unconscious will. Again, it cannot make judgments, unable to tell the difference between self-awareness and reality, yeah. thus keeping it in a cocoon. With the growth of self, it develops from a non-conscious uh, to the develops from non-consciousness to the need to escape the ring and live. Here it creates a world of its own consciousness. When able to firmly judge reality, it starts to emerge from the cocoon as it surpasses it to enter reality. In terms of Miang, this refers to the word uh, expressing the idea of hampering, uh, hampering mother in the process of deriving the child from the ring. Uh, growth itself. This refers to the word expressing the idea of a hampering mother yeah. in the process of deriving the child from the ring. So that's the idea of the um, the devouring mother or the... Yeah, you've talked about this before. I have, case. because this is the Oedipal situation, which yeah. is the mother that doesn't want the child to grow up. Yes. The mother that wants the child to stay, stay in, a, in, in a, a circular That process. is what Deus is. Yes. Because they even mention it. Um, the mother god that Graf was talking about the at notes. the beginning of the story. The yes. Wanting to kill mother god. That's, that's what mother god that is. Makes the Eurobolos. Sense. And that's why you have to escape the devouring mother. Yes. You have to escape the Oedipal situation. Satan, in our last playthrough, Satan explained how the mother brings her children back to her. Yes. Right? I can't remember where exactly that line was now, but it was at some point they were talking about it and, oh, the mother wants to bring all of her children back to yes. her, right? Mm -hmm. That is, through Lacan's psychoanalytic theory, that is incest, right? Yeah. So the mother wants to bring the children back in, so that is a form of incest, right? Um, but that is essentially what it's referring to here. And so, so to break out, that is more or less what I'm talking about. So to break out of the ring is to go in one segment. Um, it's a slight... So, remember I mentioned how uh, on maps, cartography will have either a circle surrounding the whole map back, you know, 700 years ago, or mm -hmm. they'll have little sea monsters that are essentially Ouroboros, which is where the infinity sign comes from. You'll have a little Ouroboros here, 
over here there'd be monsters, you're off the edge of the map, there's nothing out here, it just extends to the vastness of infinity, right? Yeah. But the Ouroboros is what keeps you from going to the infinity, right? right? Mm -hmm. so, so the idea is, the only way to get there is, is to break the cycle. But I still feel like it's a, it's a slight uh, misunderstanding of what Ouroboros technically like, sure, would mean for me. It's a, it's, it's, they're twisting the concept into an original thing. Which is cool. Right. Which I can respect. Yeah. Right. It's not, yeah, the Ouroboros is just the symbol of life and rebirth. It's, it does, it's not necessarily a symbol of imprisonment this is, this and entrapment. Is taking a rebels yeah. and combining it with Lacanian. Which stuff. is really cool. It's really cool, but it's a little. Some, but, some people might not love it. But the point here is that in order to break free of the yeah. hampering or devouring mother, yeah. the, the mother god that has set humanity on this path to return back to itself, mm. is to destroy Urobolus. And that's why Urobolus yeah. is the final boss. Makes sense. And the, you got to eradicate it from the introns as well would be the thought, right? Like humanity breaks <laughs> right. free of God's influence entirely. Yeah. Of, of, and when, then we, when we say God, we're not talking about the wave existence here. We're talking specifically about the mother God, Deus Ouroboros. Right. That's the influence they're trying to break away from. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> so that's what's going on with that. That's why Ouroboros is the final boss. Um, now. Gosh, telling... Because at the very end of all this, it says episode five, Xenogears yes. episode five. We're going to get into that in a second. <laughs> Apparently there's six episodes, but my gosh, how in the world do you put in that sixth episode um, after this, you know? All right. Because so. it, it's really hopeful that like, oh, humanity's going to go and flourish. And it's yeah. like, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Faye and Ellie are, are back together again. And this is where Ellie says some of the stuff I was talking about. This is the, another dimension to Crowleyan that I think is misunderstood a little bit. Because I think a lot of people oh, feel yeah. like, oh, Crowleyan gets redemption in the end. He does deserve it. Like, I don't think Crowleyan should get redemption. That's I, I that subconscious buy, that I'm telling right, you about, I, yeah. I, I don't buy into this redemption for Crowleyan. I'm going to talk about this. Because okay. it's about understanding and tension, which we were talking about, is almost impossible to do, right? So yes, exactly. What she says is, I came to understand after becoming one with Crowleyan. See, she became one with Crowleyan. This is why she gets it. This mm. is why she knows he's not bad. His intentions were not bad because she became one with him. Mm. I can't become one with another person. <laughs> I can only listen to them try to explain is, themselves. Is right? that the Vulcan mind meld is technically supposed yes. to enable that mm -hmm. communication to happen? Mm -hmm. Exactly, where you actually feel. Yeah. You actually become yeah. that person, right? Well, and that's actually where the word atonement, which has Christian connotations is means at one right yeah. then meant meaning mont like the french word mont mean to make or so to or to become at one yeah um that is in some ways that's kind of i feel like that's the idea that I get here. right so he says so she says his heart was so full of sadness that is why he desired for he and i to become one with god because that would be the return to the beginning of everything he told me you should be with him that is what he said. You see, he already knew. Yes, he already knew how I felt, how you felt, but there was nothing we or he could do. He had no choice but to go forward, even if it meant he lost all, his, uh, lost all feelings, lost everything that was human. For all humankind's sake, there was no going back. Even looking back held too many memories, and he would have just wanted to go back, even though he couldn't. She's really struggling to explain this, but mm. I feel like I get what she's getting mm. at. <laughs> even though he couldn't. So please forgive him. Crowleyan loved people more than anyone else. 
That's the key line. Krellian was not doing this because he was bitter at humanity's state, mm-hmm. uh, because they betrayed him 500 years ago mm-hmm. and all these things. He wanted to save humanity from that scumbag tendency <laughs> that, that humans have of hurting each other. So he wanted everyone to be saved from this. This is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. I didn't read it exactly the way that you did. Yeah. Um, Krellian is in his mind and possibly in reality, or well, in the game's reality, is a Christ figure in that sense. Yes. If you look at it that way. Yes. That's kind of crazy. Yes. I didn't see it that That's way. That's <laughs> So if he's the Christ figure, then as I see. bring up the idea of atonement, this is why Krellian doesn't die for 500 years. Just like Zephyr um, saying, oh, I have to live with the burdens of my decisions and that's, you know, I have to I have to punish myself for this, you know. Krellian, having that amount of sorrow and sadness that Ellie just described in his mind and heart, but instead of just going and dying or whatever else he could have done, he continues to live for 500 years with that immense sorrow in his heart and he bears it the idea being he bears it for everybody mm-hmm. because his goal is that through him he believes we can all become one with God and eliminate all suffering and and that would put him where that would put him in the place of Jesus Christ yes <laughs> Which yes essentially i did not see until you just explained <laughs> that that's wild so he's doing this not because he's bitter or because he wants to punish somebody I mean, he kind of did that a little bit by making the Shabbat people live to see the end. Like, he's like, your punishment is you have to, oh, you get right. the life-extending he treatments. He was pretty bad. Like, but in his heart, as Ellie is confirming, a third person who joined with him yeah. and can understand him, he actually did love people more than anyone else. He was trying to save people. Mm. The best that he knew how according to what he could understand in his perspective, he really believed this was good for Mm. humanity. So his intentions were good. He was just blinded by his trauma and sorrow. Yes, and And by his negation of free will, because this is is why even if, because there's so many, we don't need to get into the free will debate, but um, there are so many reasons to believe why it's possible humans may not have free will. Yes. You, none of them are practical. You have to act as though people have free will. You have to pretend that people have oh, free will. Oh, sure. Because otherwise, you, genocide is, <laughs> it is so like there, right? If you're yeah. assuming people don't have free will, then um, people can't make the choices. It's fine if you make a choice for somebody else. What's the difference? Right. It doesn't matter. They didn't have free will anyways. And neither do you. And so whatever happens is just a product of whatever the biological you know, inevitability was going to have come to anyways. And so you you do what you do and they don't have any say in the matter and that's fine because they're sheeple. And <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you do. It just justifies anything. It justifies genocide. It justifies... So even if there may be a scientific basis for the possibility of not having free will, it's something you, as a human, when you're interacting with other you humans, you have if, to ignore that. Yeah. You have to ignore that, that that's even a possibility. Because that can lead you to a place where Krellian ends up going to, <laughs> yes. which is like, oh, well, it's for their own good. and you know. That's what he said, right? He was like, do you th- actually think you have yes. free will? You actually believe and it? And that's part of why I'm bringing it up. He yes. even mentions it himself. The, the absence of free will, I'm not saying it inevitably has to end in this way, although maybe I am saying that. <laughs> Remember, it's also what he said to the Gazel Ministry as he unplugged him. 
Oh, he's yeah. He's like, you actually think... You think you have free you, this will? This was your free will like, you, that you, made you do you this? You're all part of the program. Yeah. And he was unplugging him. That was all at the center of his... Yes. You can do... Twisted... Because as much as Ellie can be like, oh, he was a good person, it's and that's entirely possible. It's like, but only in his mind where people don't have free will can he possibly have been considered a good person. Sure. And that's fine because it was his mind and she was reading his mind and that was his thought process. But but that's where it goes. That's yeah, where it leads. That's where it goes. <laughs> and I feel leads. like that may even be the start of of, you know, where Krillian is going here was was the absence of free will. And so Faye says in response to that, I somehow knew it all along. I just knew he was really that kind of person. So he's kind of forgiving him, right? And then Ellie says, I'm so sorry, so please forgive me. I was wrong. I thought sacrificing myself in order to save others was the right thing to do. But my this, actions, you could read this so sarcastically. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought <laughs> sacrificing myself was the right I'm sorry. I know. Okay. <laughs> She's not doing that, but I yes. Know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm being <laughs> That's stupid. funny. Um, but my actions only brought sadness to all the people who I left behind. She's basically mm. taking responsibility for Krellian. Great. I thought sacrificing myself as Sophia was the right thing to do, but it oh. created Krellian. I thought she was referring to sacrificing... It's both. By, okay, it's both. Okay. okay. It's both. Because she's, okay. she's like, I was about to do it again right yeah. now. Yes. But the grief I would have left behind by doing so does would've, this kind of thing. Would have created another... Another Krellian. Oh, you're right. Oh, jeez. Or well, another Lacan. Possibly, or Graf, except right? Faye goes with her this time and yeah. dies with her. Now, who knows? Maybe somebody else would have secretly liked Ellie we didn't know about. <laughs> Hammer may have. He's gone, though. Um, but the difference being that Faye actually went with Ellie this time, whereas before, Lacan or Krillian couldn't go right. with her when she died, right? So Yeah, but as Sophia, she thought she was doing this noble thing and that it was going to be this great yeah. thing in the end. It was a good thing to do. And but it ended up creating Krillian. the two of the greatest villains of the world. Graf and Krellian. Graf and Krellian. As a direct result you know, of her this, making that sacrifice. This is even more evidence to humans don't and will never understand each other. <laughs> nope. Because she's like, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing, but it was totally the wrong thing. I misread everything. And then Krellian, at the same time, he's like, I'm doing the right thing. And it's like, dude, you're totally misreading everything. People, at least people think they have free will, so you can't do this. Yep. And then, um, anyways, it's everyone doesn't understand each Nobody other. Nobody <laughs> understands each other. At all. <laughs> Which is very realistic. Um, uh, sadness gave birth to even more sadness. As long as I still live within you, my life is not just mine alone. And that was kind of mm. what Lacan's thing was with her yes. before. And Faye said the same thing to her And going earlier. through history. This yeah. actually brings up uh, Cloud Atlas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Remember that movie? Yep. It's a similar kind of thing where yep. there's different lives and different people. And we don't know how they're connected, but they're all connected and uh, through the different generations. And one of the lines in the trailer for it was, was it Halle Berry? Was she in that movie? She is, yeah. She is. Mm. Somebody was saying, our lives are not our own. Yep. Was one of like the lines there. And there's so much more that continues after you die and that built up to where you are now. And um, yeah, I think that's, I, the, the trailer says it beautifully. Look up the trailer for Cloud Atlas, 2010. And go beyond that because yeah, 
I actually really like that movie. I on haven't a second seen it viewing. since. We saw it when it See, came out, and we didn't like it. Just like Xenogears, <laughs> yes. right? Where it's like you play the game, you're like, what is this crap? And then you play it again. You know, I had a different understanding because yeah. I had you with me the whole time. But um, I didn't know if I liked this game the first here. time I played right, it. Right. I got to the end and I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to think. Yes, right? probably the same thing with Cloud Atlas. So now, I, should, I should watch it on again. On a second playthrough of Xenogears, this is easily one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's, it's so, so easily one of my favorite yeah. games of all time. I, I'm glad that my first playthrough was one <laughs> where it could be explained to me. Right. But, but yes, our lives are not our own. Go they watch started a long Cloud time Atlas. Ago. Yeah. Having played this, I should. I, I should. feel like you'll like it better. I really liked it better the second time. Nice. Well, it hammers this point home. Your lives aren't just your own. Yeah. Like Sophia, in some ways, Sophia didn't have the right to sacrifice herself. Yeah. It wasn't, it's what she wanted, but it's not what everyone wanted. Yeah. And so she didn't have the right to do it. It wasn't just her own thing. Now she she did in many instances, but yeah. or in many She's uh, realizing now that's not sense. necessarily yes. the right thing. Exactly. Now Faye responds to that, says, Ellie, this isn't wrong, or that isn't wrong. To sacrifice yourself for, uh, uh, to sacrifice yourself for others is a noble thing. Even if it were to benefit yourself, it's no problem. That's kind of going back to their very earlier conversation on the frigate where she's like, I'm a self-sacrificing person. Sometimes that's a bit selfish, right? Yeah. It like fulfills me to be this way. Yes, yes. That's what he's speaking to there, I think. Yes. There will always be a person healed, one or the other. Love gains its original shine only when there's an interrelationship between the giver and receiver. It is incomplete when one or the other is missing. Ah, that makes sense then. So she was giving a gift that yes, was not, not received. Received. Mm -hmm. So she gave it, and it just disappeared into the nothing. Lacan and, and Graf yes. didn't receive it. That that's interesting. Yep. It is incomplete when one or the other is missing. The two are one. It was you, Ellie, who taught me that. I believe that is what it means to be human. I can now understand the true importance of it. I don't know if it's the right answer or not, but we have a lot of time to think about it. What Crowley himself was looking for all along, we will find the answer to it all ourselves. She says, thank you, Faye. And then they um, they go running, and it's kind of falling apart. Yeah, they're in like the desert or something, and everything's Let's return to crazy. our planet. Oh, well, we skipped a part. We skipped a part. Well, it's still, it's not there yet. I mean, she, she, he, she, he reaches out, can he run? Okay, I'm not going to Oh, yes, it. okay, let's do that. Let's turn to our planet, and then she says, that light, the point of contact with our world, can we make it in time? And he says, can you run? And then they start running. And then like the world. We're in an anime the, sequence. The yeah, the now, floor the kind of starts falling away. Yeah. And she's like, oh no, she falls down. I love the abstract imagery of this. I, yeah. I've seen this done several times, but I always love it. It's really, it's, it's really awesome. Cool. This is a he, better done abstract fifth dimension than, than Final Fantasy VIII did with its Oh, I agree with 100%. Its yeah, this was way more cohesive. It made this a lot more sense. light years better. Yeah. <laughs> Although this game is sweet. It's I'm still not good. knocking it. It's good game. Good. But this was this a, better, just way a similar better. concept, just better executed. Yeah. So then they find Krellian again. Right? They're kind of taken to the place where his soul is at. Krellian says, there's no time. This place is about to be destroyed. Now there's no more God. I think it means the path of Sephiroth is closing. Right? Mm, and right the way of existence has gone through and Crowley is at the precipice. Like, am I going to follow God or am I going to go back mm -hmm. and be human? Uh, there is no more God. This is no longer their planet. This is your home planet that you are now standing on. And Faye says, Crowley you're not going, are you? And he says, no. He turns around. Since that time, actually, I could just, they're actually speaking. This is voice acted, but... So yes. uh, maybe I'll just put the voice acting on the screen. Since that time, I have stopped being human. I have committed so many sins that any attempt at living as a human is impossible. 
The only one that could have forgiven me is God. See, this was my point before. Yes. Where they ha they had to put that in. Yeah. Now, I would love a story where Krellian does receive full redemption because there are no limits of God's goodness, right? There's so but much. those stories don't exist. There's so much <laughs> going on here that I've actually incorporated into the novel that I've written. But oh, that's yeah. one question I really wanted to explore. Yeah. Is taking a character who in our modern day society would be completely vilified. There Just is no horrible. redemption for this person. Basically Hitler. Can right? that person, not quite that far. Okay, but, okay, see, see, everyone's got a line, right? Everyone's got a line. Okay, okay, stop, I hear you. <laughs> going back to the hypothetical, yes, right? Yes, yes. If, if we could give Hitler a drug that would undo his evilness. I know. It's Could we let him be part of civilization again? People don't want to go there. They don't want they to don't think about that. They don't want to think about yes. that. I want them to think about I that do too, in actually. my novel. <laughs> I do too. Well, that's interesting. If a person who has done things that we consider irredeemable truly is, truly is able to see and change, yeah. right? And they have completely uh, changed themselves. Mm -hmm. Is that person ever Capable worthy of redemption. Of receiving Can we ever forgive yeah. a person who has done the things we consider unforgivable? Now, a very optimistic answer is yes. A very realistic answer is, is no. Probably not. Probably not. There we, you go. That's more realistic. And that's, uh, that's on us, yes. not on the person who did the changing. Exactly. They've exactly. done everything they could yes. do. Yeah. So is it a problem with us or is it a problem with them is the question. Could Crowleyan actually come back and be accepted in society? Is that really a problem with Crowleyan, who has now seen the errors and has had the contact with with the wave existence? It doesn't matter because this is a game for teenagers, and that <laughs> is asking too much. It's like, asking too much. I don't end. know who you're marketing your book at, but that is a tall ask yeah. for adults, let alone yeah, kids. You know, young young kids. So, at least in his own view, it's like. He's not gonna. He's not gonna come back, right? Yeah. His his he, to him, he believes his only path to forgiveness is to make that kind of sacrifice to right. give up his humanity entirely. Even though he still has in his heart some level of envy mm -hmm. for the love that Faye and Ellie have together, and some understanding, obviously because he used yeah. to love Sophia himself, right? right? He has that emptiness, yeah. and he he envies that part of the mm. human experience. <laughs> but he's going to sacrifice that in re in recompense for the evil actions he did, even if he didn't have the intention of doing evil, right? Right. And, and that's probably something I should add that I'm sh now that I'm thinking about it, people are probably furiously typing in the comments, it doesn't matter if you don't intend to do evil, you can still be evil. Yes, I, I know that. <laughs> no, but pri I know that. prison is a place for rehab and the yes. idea is you um, you fix it so that they won't do the crime again, right? Yes. That's the idea. You, you can still do... Krellian won't do this again. <laughs> you can still do great harm and great evil unintentionally. It doesn't yes. excuse it no. because there wasn't the intention there. You still have to reconcile. You still have to seek forgiveness. You just have to change in order, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, all those things are required even though you didn't intend. Yeah. I understand that. Krellian is probably at the point where he would do that, the internal work, and he still feels like the only way he can be forgiven is to sacrifice his humanity, despite having lingering desires for it, so and to he, go return with God. He can't forgive himself, no. is, is the, the what that comes down to. No. Um, and he's also right that the rest of humanity will not Would forgive, not him, forgive either. him either. Um, but there's a, there's a Korean drama I watched a while back where 
the I'm not gonna say what it is, but the because I have to give away the ending, so I shouldn't give away what it's called. You'll find it out if you ever watch it. There's a guy who's committing these horrible, horrible acts, right? He's just he's awful, he's awful. We find out at the very end he was being possessed by a demon the whole time, right? Yeah. And so the demon gets exercised from him, he returns back to normal. But he's killed like 20 people. Yeah. <laughs> and the cops still arrest him and put him in jail. And he, he's got a life sentence in prison. And you, they visit him in prison at the very end. And it's like, hey, are you doing all right? And he's like, no, it was me that let the darkness into my heart. So I'm still responsible for what happened. And I'm like, that's a cheesy cop-out way of dealing with the fact that you know that this person had, there's no forgiveness and that the people wouldn't have liked it in your show if he was forgiven that they would have said your show sucks because people like that shouldn't be forgiven because he killed people, right? However. But they they do that in the show. And and he's he's like okay with serving a life sentence now for things that he doesn't have a memory of doing just because he was like, oh, I guess the darkness let the demon in to begin with. I don't know about that. We must also consider. It wasn't him that did those things. We must also consider mm. that Faye is also guilty. Faye has that exact same situation. Of a lot of near genocide, like all of Elru was destroyed because he was id. You're right, but we didn't see that. We didn't see that. But we did see some of it though. But he killed Rico's guys. We you're saw right, that. You're right actually, you're right, you're right. We've seen Faye do a lot of atrocious things. So it's actually a very similar situation. There. And he is able to forgive himself. That's a good and point. And be accepted. That's a good point. Despite all the bad things he did as id. Hmm. Which was a lot. <laughs> that's a good point. That's so actually a very Faye good point. So sort of is this. That's true. That's true. So yeah. in a typical Western thing, Faye wouldn't have true forgiveness. I don't yeah. even mean Western because this is true all over the world. But they found other people worse than Faye <laughs> that could definitely not be forgiven. And that enabled them the excuse to allow Faye to be forgiven. That would be maybe there how they went go. about it there. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um... Okay, so Faye responds to him by saying, that's not true. I'm sure they would understand. There's still plenty of time to atone for your sins. You of all people can do it. And Crying says, always the peacemaker, eh, Lacan? But regardless, I cannot go. It is something I have already decided. I'm going to walk with God, even if there is no place left for me upon my return. That's you an know, interesting line. You know, he should have died 400 years ago anyways. So it's like, yeah. whatever you're doing now is... It's, but th that last line is really interesting. Even if there's no place left for me upon my return, well, can he come back after going to the fifth dimension? Can he come back to the fourth dimension that, That's again? a good question, but I would have taken this to mean the return back to the essence, meaning all humanity came from the essence, he's oh. returning to the essence, they may not want oh, him. Oh, maybe if they don't want him, I'm yeah. going return there. I As could see Especially that. because literally, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I hate to use this analogy, but imagine Jesus suffers the atonement on the cross and all that stuff, the Gethsemane, Golgotha, everything returns and nobody follows him back. He's the only <laughs> one. He's like, he did this crazy sacrifice for everybody. And nobody and, accepted it. And it was it. out of love and, 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 he's the, and he, it ends up being only him that re rejoins with God. Um, in some ways you would say that was a failure, right? That would just that really God suck. <laughs> God uh, might honestly look at that and say that that wasn't. Uh, I don't think. I think you must have done something wrong, right? Because that, that didn't. It's like I feel embarrassed for you. <laughs> Probably you don't want to come back. The idea being that God wouldn't accept that that yeah. offering. Like sure. this isn't sufficient. I believe that would be that's some. The, that's the 
the form of what Carlian what would he's be going dealing through. with internally. He's like, yeah, I just did this thing and I tried to do this thing and I completely failed. Are they even gonna really want me? You yeah. Because basically, all I, I ended like up that. doing is sacrificing a ton of things so that I myself could go be with God and no one else. And God's gonna be like, hmm. I like. I don't that. know if we want you here. I okay. like that a lot, actually. Um, Carlian says, "I must go now." Faye says, Carlian. Carlian says, actually, I envy you two. We were talking about this. They go back yeah, yeah. Uh, to Earth. So they come back in the Xenogears and, and uh, Saiten and the others are kind of on a cliff yes. looking out like, oh, did they make it back? Oh, the first time we've seen and heard these people in an anime yeah. setting as opposed to the voice Bart, acting. Bart's man. voice really <laughs> threw me off. Me too. I was like, who is, oh. That's Bart? He, he's being Malibu from, what was that, American Gladiators? Yeah. Remember from the 90s? Mm-hmm. I feel like they just stereotyped him so hard in a way that I didn't realize in the pixel version. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's Malibu. Oh my gosh, I was reading his character wrong this whole time. What happened? Waves from the explosion disrupted the ionosphere, making it impossible to get a visual. They were probably caught up in the explosion. That's a lie! (laughs) He'll come back. He promised us he would. I know it. Well, dude, it's like this. That's why I don't like that. That's why I usually I like games to not have voice acting I and know. just text. Especially if he only says one sentence. Yeah. In the whole thing, he's voice acted in one sentence at the end. And it's like, maybe just not, maybe <laughs> just don't have done that. Because that threw yeah. off my image. Same thing with Satan and a few others. It yeah. just kind of threw off my whole image of who they were. It's kind of funny. I guess that was Billy who had the radio and was like, we're I picking up something. No, I don't, that wasn't Billy. That was it just wasn't? some other person. Oh, okay. I, I, it was just some guy. Well, I didn't recognize him, like which black is hair. the point. I thought yeah. it was just them with all the... I thought it was just the party people were there, but I guess there's some uh, Well, Choo Choo... But I didn't recognize him. Choo Choo just Choo-choo. sounds exactly like Pikachu, basically. Choo Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I mean, and doesn't say words, only says Choo. Just says Choo 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 Choo. Like, and it sounds like almost identical to ex- Pikachu's identical. voice. Yeah. Which Pokemon had come out... Probably when did the show? two or three years before that. Yeah, 1996? well, the game came or out 95? in '96, but when did the show? Oh, the, the, the anime. I don't know. Was it one year later? or Was it two? Probably one or two. I would think it. It would probably have been out. '97, maybe. It definitely was out by this time. It was out, but I wonder because these anime cutscenes would have been done. Oh, that's previously. true. Earlier. I don't. Know. I don't know how much earlier, but it's a good question. Anyways, yeah, it was basically Pikachu, which would have come out like right around the exact time they made these anime. Basically, yeah, crazy. Um, so Faye is with, with Ellie descending in the Xenogears. Saiten runs up. Faye, what happened? Oh, oh, no, we forgot, we forgot one thing. Um, Krellian has, when he, when Krellian leaves, he unfolds two wings. Oh, yes, that's right. Two. He has two wings. And then he leaves. Because mm-hmm. so, he's become one with God. Yes, yeah, so he right. can, he's like, oh, I can do things by myself. I don't need anyone else. I don't need humanity. But, but... The moral of the idea of the one-winged angel was that you can't have two wings. <laughs> yeah. But Krellian became... Something more than human. Something more than human. So yeah. he became two-winged. He doesn't need humanity anymore. He can go be with God. But Ellie and Faye him, still need each they other. They still need each other. They all, that all, would be the same. In order for them to fly, they yes. have to combine their wings. Which, when combined, they have two wings too, but it's combined. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good point. Um, anyways... They descend, and that's kind of the end of the game. And it, it plays, a, plays a really beautiful song at the end. Um, I really like yeah. the ending credits music a lot. It this was, was good. the first time that it they had good. ever had a song. Oh, because this was before a FFA Square was. game. Yeah, ah, that nice. they had a song as their ending credits, like a like a singer came like and an like MP3. performed. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, first time that, that they'd was. ever done that at Square. Yeah, it was very well done. Um, and then there's a little scene at the very end, which I thought was going to be a whole scene, but it wasn't. It was just after the credits are done. It's just Faye. Is it just Faye and Ellie? Just standing there, looking out at just a valley of yeah. water and grass, mm -hmm. and, and then that's it. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was going to be a thing happening, but there wasn't. In fact, you see Solaris crashed into the ground, and then you just see a lake, and all the mountains are flat, and, and that's it. I'm not sure if something's being shown in that cutscene, because I uh, saw it and was like, all right, what's going to happen now? And it just, that was it. It was just one shot, and that was it. Yeah. So I don't. I feel like I missed some symbolism there. So um, I'm going to look at some of the, the lyrics for this song, which is called um, "Small Two Pieces," which is the the song that plays in the credits. They're they're a little. It's a little hard. I feel to pull meaning from the like the word the words are like a little too. What do you call it? What's the word for it? Where it's it's not specific enough. To oh, really vague. like, tr it's, it's like a little too vague or artsy. Right. But there are some particular okay. uh, things in here that I think you can pick up on that would reflect some of the messages from the game. So the, the lyrics go, Run through the cold of the night as passion burns in your heart, ready to fight a knife held close by your side, like a proud wolf alone in the dark with eyes that watch the world, and my name like a shadow on the face of the moon. Broken mirror, a million shades of light. The old echo fades away, but just you and I can find the answer and then we can run to the end of the world. We can run to the end of the world. Cold fire clenched to my heart in the blue of the night. Torn by this pain, I point, uh, or I paint, or yeah, I paint your name in sound. And the girl of the, the, girl of the dawn with eyes of blue and angel wings, the song of the season, so, the songs of the season are her only crown. Broken mirror, a million shades of light. The old echo fades away, but just you and I can find the answer, and then we can run to the end of the world. We can run to the end of the world. I won't read that one, but there's one more verse. We met in the mist of morning and parted deep in the night. Broken sword and shield and tears that never fall, but run through the heart. Washed away by the darkest water, the world is peaceful and still. So I'd like to see, because I read that and it's like, I can see the, the broken mirror imagery and that and the, the two people needing each other kind of anima anima stuff. Like I yeah. can see some of that in there, yeah. but I wonder if there are other people who have interpretations of some of these lyrics that can draw a deeper meaning out of it. For me, it felt a little too vague to kind of directly piece it with like some of the messages in Xenogears, but I'd like to see what other people think about those lyrics and uh, see if people can give some good interpretations. Otherwise, I believe that we have come to the end of summarizing this game. <sighs> oh, I was gonna talk about Big Joe. That's the Ooh. last thing to do. Oh good, yes, his, his little story. Just uh, some background on Big Joe that you get from those books if you find him down in the Zebwin ruins. Uh, this'll tie it up for, for the podcast here. Big Joe was a revered hero to the people during the Zebulun era. Before his 30th birthday, Big Joe wanted to extend his life by preserving his body. He was put into cold sleep, but scientists made a mistake and accidentally froze him too fast. Their thawing techniques could not revive him successfully. The people of Zebulun were left saddened at the loss of their hero. 
When the Zebulun civilization died out, Big Joe was left in a frozen slumber. His refrigeration container changed locations many times, receiving damage along the way and began to deteriorate. 4,000 years later, when the Ethos were excavating the Zebulun ruins, they found Joe's cryonic reactor. Thinking it was trash, they threw it to the sea. The reactor floated on the waves, finally reaching the coast of the island in Akavi region, where Billy's orphanage was. He was discovered by the Davy boys, who lived there, and they released the lock. The sand's heat naturally awakened Joe, and he swam to Ignis. <laughs> swam from Akavi to Ignis? Oh my bitch. gosh. Joe began to wander around, hoping to restore his former glory. So, yeah, Big Joe comes mm. from the Zebuim era. He was cryonically uh, encased and he woke up after the ethos un, uh, or, or, uh, discovered his pod or whatever. And uh, he was like a hero at that time. So there you go. Fascinating. <clears throat> All right, guys. That's the end <laughs> Dude, of our summary of Xenogears. This is my last note here. What a journey. Mm -hmm. But I hate finishing games. <laughs> I hate it. It's the worst. It is, there is emotional. A sad feeling. It feels sad. It's yeah. like it's over. It's done. You know, and, and you never get the experience of a first playthrough of a game again. Yeah. So it's like you lose. But, I'm losing but something. Here's what's cool is it's all these through people. through my fingers. I, I, I actually loved this about yeah. this reaction from the audience. So many people, I, I would say their favorite part of this whole 20 episode podcast was watching you experience it the first oh, time. Oh, really? Because they can never do it again. Right, right? that's true. Now I guess that's you are also get. in their seat. Right? I'm initiated. Now I'm going to have to go find someone else. <laughs> you have to find if it's your wife or... Like, I'm going to play yeah. this probably pretty soon with uh, with Chrissy. Um, uh, it'll be her first playthrough of the game. Yeah. And it, I love that. Like, I love nice. watching you play through it the first <laughs> time. Like, just introduce it to new people, right? That's kind of like the best way. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I'm glad I could uh, be of use. It was It was a lot of fun. But we're not quite done yet. Okay. Read Perfect Works yeah. for next week. We're going to have uh, Pat Holloman on, who is like a Xenogears expert. Like a... Like a Does he have a degree? <laughs> Basically, he has a degree in Xenogears. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll invite uh, the retrograde amnesia guys back on, too. Cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll answer questions from the audience. We'll revisit things that people suggest, like, hey, what did you think about this? You said this at this time. Do you still yeah. feel that way? Um, and uh, we'll talk about perfect work stuff. Well, good. And uh, that, will, that will bring a close to the podcast. But, man, I really thoroughly enjoyed this playthrough. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> thoroughly. Yeah, me too. Um, I, you I guys can, vote for good games. <laughs> I sure do. Uh, and, the, and next week we will reveal the winner for the next podcast. Okay. So uh, stay tuned for that. Till then, thanks everybody. We'll see you again next week. Peace out.